0: Blob Talk Radio.
1: Join us as we travel into the inner workings of John Cheney's mind. Beyond Midcourt is another dimension. A dimension of pressure. A dimension of coverage. A dimension of mind. You're moving in. White guy incapable of playing man to man, of help side defense and active hand, you've just crossed half court into the matchup
2: zone.
3: Well, actually, right
2: now the championship game set. The final four is uh, the over, so we will have Michigan playing Louisville in the final tomorrow night. I think, uh, you know, early on, I would have thought Louisville was a was an odds-on favorite to win the final, but watching Michigan play, they have two NBA guards who I think can pose a lot of problems to to Louisville's little guards. Uh, even though Louisville's guards are very quick, I I think that I think Glenn Bryce. Uh, I'm sorry, not Glenn Rice. Uh, what, what, what am I thinking here?
1: You thinking that- uh,
2: I'm thinking Tim Hardaway Jr. I'm sorry, I was, I'm getting all the players mixed up. Tim Hardaway Jr. He can pose a lot of problems. He can get a shot off. You saw, you know, you saw these kids pulling from deep last night against Syracuse. So I think uh, I, I think it's going to be a good final. I, I still I, I would still gun to my head think Louisville wins the game, but I think it's going to be a very very close game.
1: I mean, it, you're right. It's Gun to my head, I picked Louisville as well. But gun to my head, uh, BB gun to my head. Last week I said State. Louisville beats Wichita by, State by twenty, and Wichita State hangs in. It's it's one of those years we talked about this where anything can happen. You have no idea what's going to happen on any given night with this season. So that's why it's going to be so intriguing to see Louisville, Michigan. They both play similar styles, up and down. They like to go good guard play aggressive good defense. It's going to be fun to watch. I think it's going to be a good final. They that there can be a, a lot of a lot of interesting things can happen and who knows, you know, Louisville playing for Kevin Ware now. Maybe they have the edge. He's sitting on the bench this week. Uh this weekend he's going to be sitting on the bench again tomorrow night. Maybe they'll have enough to uh win it for. him.
2: What a night tomorrow night can be for Rick Pitino. He has a chance to win his second national title. I think he's going to be the only he would be the only coach to win two national titles with two separate two, two separate programs. And he's also uh, getting announced uh, as he will be inducted into the Hall of Fame. So that could be a, that could be a nice little Monday for him. But like you mentioned earlier, Kev, we have a lot on the table. Mike Rice. I mean, where where do you start with that? I mean, uh...
1: <laughs> where do you start with that? Is is exactly right. Now, <clears throat> obviously, there's a lot of people have thrown their opinions on this. We are the basketball experts. We know what is happening. We both play college basketball. We understand the game. We both coached. It's, it's a unique perspective. So that being said, this Mike Rice thing is very upsetting to me because I, just, I find him very irritating. I find him very irritating because he's a bully. My biggest thing with him, he's throwing balls at kids. He's throwing balls at walk-ons. He threw a ball at a walk-on who's from this area, from Mainland High School. He also throws the uh, throw, throwing balls, kicking a uh, big Lithuanian guy, his family's 6,000, 7,000 miles away. He's picking on these guys who are weaker. He's not picking on the strong, tough kids. Those kids are just watching him and not respecting him. I don't understand how he can act like this and expect to get recruits. It's unbelievable. Well,
2: I think you hit on it there, Kev. How do you get recruits? How, after watching the videotape, does he go into a family's house and say, "Yeah, I have your son's best interest in mind"? Meanwhile, last month I saw him uh, pegging balls at kids' heads. I don't think he'll ever get another job. I mean, maybe a low assistant at a school, but I, I, I think I think it'll be a long time if ever he gets a uh, he gets another head coaching job.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's ever going to get. Uh, I don't think he's going to get another shot. I mean, maybe like you said, a lower level division 2 division 3 maybe someone will give him a stab uh, eventually poor choice of words but i it's it just it's just very irritating now a lot of people have weighed in and said you know what would you do if he was doing this a lot of telephone tough guys saying a lot of guys who never played saying you know what i wouldn't if he did that to me i would i would kick his ass and a lot of telephone tough guys out there
2: there there's no way everybody says yeah i i i'd punch him i'd retaliate there's, Kev, we both played. There's no way at one second did we ever think about hitting a coach, putting your hand on a coach. Your scholarship's on the line. You're not that. You're you're thinking about playing time. Um, you know, after a while, and, I, and you hear Mike Rice apologize and say, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." Well, guess what? If you do that, to, if you do that to kids, that's who you are. That didn't just come on instantaneously. Instantaneously, that's your personality. That's who you are. You will continue to do it. You will always do it. You know, it's just, like you said, it's a little bit upsetting, but he has to realize by doing, you know, his whole career was ruined in a 30-minute tape, which isn't a big deal. I mean, 30-year marriages have been ruined over an hour-and-a-half trip to the casinos. So, I mean, you know, anything can be ruined quickly, but this guy, you know, and and that tactic obviously wasn't working. Rutgers was, the last two years, Rutgers uh, had the second lowest winning percentage in the Big East, so... If that's your tactic, I guess he's trying to to scare people or trying to motivate through fear. Um, I don't know if that's the correct way to motivate a basketball player um, is to motivate through fear and physical violence. I I think some kids respond differently to each. But I know, for one, if a coach was throwing balls at me, um, I mean, I I guess I'd pay attention more and do what he wants to do so I don't get hit with another ball. But in the back of your mind, you have to be saying, you know, this guy's nuts. I've been playing basketball my whole life, and I've never had a ball thrown at me by – by by another coach,
1: yeah. I mean, there be there be a big fu sent out. I mean, you, you that's that's another problem. I mean, again, he's picking on the weaker guys, but he's probably already or also recruiting weaker players. He's recruiting guys that you know some of these kids they have nothing, they don't have anything. So when he starts, he he brings them in. It's like I'm your father now, I'm your role model now. Do what I say or you can go back to where you were, and that's that's another obnoxious thing about it which I do not agree with I think when you start when you it's it's a it's a big thing about boying I think he's just a b- he's a boy he's a guy that never i mean you look at his you look at he's 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 not a big time basketball player he he hasn't really played the game that much, and he's going to go and act like this because he thinks that, like he's that since he doesn't have that, he's going to sit there and be a bully. He's going to be a little little tough guy, and he's going to be a bully, and that's what bothers me, because as a player, you're going to be trying to recruit guys that are, are, are not going to put up with any nonsense, and that's the thing. Like People are like, why didn't he hit anyone? Why didn't he punch Why didn't anyone punch back? Because the players he was doing it to aren't are tough guys. He's doing the, the, the guys at Rutgers University. He's not recruiting that player who will just go off and just say, you know what, don't ever do that again or I'm going to knock you out.
2: Okay, well, you're saying he's not doing it to the, the tough guys. He's doing it to walk on. So wouldn't a walk on be more inclined to do something to him because they say, you know what, I'm not playing. I'm here practicing, working hard every day, and I'm getting balls thrown in my head, balls pegged in my feet, getting pushed all the time. You know, I'm not putting up with this. So I would think if I'm a walk on and not playing and never going to play, ruining the program, I, want, I you know, I mean, it's easy to sit behind a microphone and say, you know, I would do something. Obviously, I was never in that position, but I don't know how. You know, a lot of people have to be held accountable for this. How does the athletic director see this three, four, five months ago and not do anything, and then all of a sudden, when outside the lines gets the uh, gets the video, now head start the roll. To me, this coach should have been—he should have been fired three or four months ago when he was suspended for three days. It's totally ridiculous. And the athletic director, need, you know, obviously he's, he resigned, which needed to happen, or got fired. And I think I think the president has to be held accountable
1: too. I absolutely agree. There's—it's—it's it's not a good situation when when you see that tape. How are you going to see that tape and not think, you know, what this guy's crazy? This is like why why is he? Why am I paying him? Millions of dollars to stay here when this guy's obviously he's lost his mind.
2: Let me ask you a question, Kev. Do you think this goes on? I I mean, obviously the language goes on. Not the not the homophobic slurs. That's you know that's that's um, you know obviously that's way over the top and that can't happen. Especially at Rutgers with the homophobic slurs. You know, a kid commits suicide a couple years ago or last year because of. because of racial, you know, people found out that he was uh, that he was gay. So, especially at Rutgers, you should be a little more sensitive to that. Being the uh, athletic director and president, but do you think this goes on, kept at other schools? I mean, obviously the language does, but in terms of the physical throwing balls, I mean, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure there's times where a college coach runs out down the court and, pride and just goes, you know what, get out of the way, takes a kid by the arm, let, you know, let me show you how to do this. I understand, I'm not condoning it, but okay. But the way Mike Rice was physically pushing these kids around. Do you think this happens at other schools and do you think more is going to come out of this?
1: It very well could just because there's coaches that, that, that probably do this sort of thing. They try to, they try to use intimidation and bullying and they know that when that heads aren't going to, that the kids are going to respond because they like we said, there's nothing else for them. So some of these kids, they they can bully because they, they, they know they have them trapped now that that's an issue. So I think that there are definitely more of these going on. I don't think to that extent. I think that's probably the worst. But even look at Phil Martelli's stuff. I mean, Mark, little Martelli did the same exact thing, acting acting a fool the same way. What a weasel that little kid! Is. I mean,
2: I mean seriously, if I'm if I'm a player, but you know, I, I mean, they were calling him Baby Rice. Here's a little rat weasel, Phil Martelli's kid running up, pushing these kids. I mean, I mean, come on. How do you think that's right? How do you think the videotapes aren't going to come out? You know, the whole thing with Eric Murdoch, too, the assistant, or he was the uh, player personnel director or something of that of that sort. He takes the initial video to the athletic director three year, uh, you know earlier this year and said, you know, this is unacceptable, what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Now, Murdoch's suing the school for $950,000, and there are still kids backing Mike Rice, which, you know, Bobby Knight, was I mean? Obviously, everybody knows his uh, his tactics, and he was a little bit of a lunatic. Um, you know, he did he did put his hand on Neil. You know, he did you know kind of choke Neil Reed or had his hands around his throat and things like that. So, you know, twenty twenty five years ago, Kev, this stuff wasn't expected. Why do we think it's expected now with all the lawsuits and things like
1: that? Well, the the difference here between Bobby Knight and Mike Rice is knowledge of the game. Bobby Rice obviously is a is, is one of the the most prestigious coaches. Not because he buoyed, but because he won. Now when you're looking at Rutgers who had a terrible big East record, obviously they're a bigger conference, but or they're in a big conference, but Mike Rice wasn't really lighting the lamp in terms of wins. So why if you're just gonna be the buoy and not produce, what's the point? I think Bobby Knight was able to get away with it more because he was winning. Now, Mike Rice, that's why I, I don't even understand how the guy had a job this year going into this. This should have never even been an issue. It could have been an issue, and Tim Pernani could have still had his job.
2: Yeah, I, I disagree with you a little bit, Kevin, in terms of, um, you, you know, Mike, uh, Bobby Knight almost had the right to because he was a winning coach. I don't think it's right for any coach. I mean, so, I mean that doesn't mean that, you know, Bill Belichick can throw footballs at guys' heads and – uh you know, kick somebody in the in the shin with a cleat while Romeo Cornell has to uh be you know, nice as pie to his players. So I I, I think I don't think it's right at any level no matter the wins or loss. I mean I can't see Mike Shoshevsky. I mean we, we know Brian Zubek, we've talked to guys from Duke. Mike Shoshevsky's lang- I mean he, let let's put it out there now. He's not the guy you see on T V with the MasterCard commercials and the I mean, you know, he's a nice guy in terms of when the cameras in front of him, but I've been to a practice. He's brutal to these kids. The language is Offensive. Now he's not using the homophobic, the homophobic slurs, but you know he's killing these kids. And, and I think that's, I think that's just the way. Uh, I just think that's the nature of being a college basketball coach, especially like a head football coach. having mean, the language, but I, I just think that he should be embarrassed. And it was kind of phony when he came out and I saw him apologizing. To me, it almost looked like it was phony, and he's trying to just set himself up maybe to get another job.
1: And while I disagree, while I agree with the bullying, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, it is unacceptable. There's been, there are coaches and yes, the, the old school belief was, I'm sure that stuff happened. I'm sure there was things similar to that growing uh, when we were younger, it's a different era. So you have to change with the times. I I just think if you win, there's a lot more leeway. I think that if you if you're a winning coach there's a lot more leeway. I think you can even the parents would would almost accept things like that if they saw that tape, they would accept it more because you're it's it's bec- coming from so say you know, we're talking about Bobby Knight. So say it comes out that that Roy William, w- w- Roy Williams is doing the same exact thing. What you know, what's the what's what's really the difference? Yeah, I mean
2: the difference is that there's been documented there's been documented cases with Bobby Knight throwing chairs, the violence, the language, things like that. Roy Williams, I, you know, never really curses in front of his players, uh, you know. So 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 you hear, um, but I, I just think Bobby Knight to me was a bully. Yeah, did he produce wins? Yes, second all-time winning as coach, you know, three national championships. All that's great, but at the end of the day too, you have. Nineteen, twenty, twenty-one year old kids, easily influenced kids in front of you. Whatever happened to, you know, teaching them life lessons and getting getting them prepared to being a man as well. And, and look, some of the reason Mike Rice may have been doing this too is there's so much pressure to win now in college basketball that you know if you're not seeing if you're not seeing results, you might say, you know what, how do I get through these kids in a different way? Maybe throwing balls at them is uh, is a way to get through them, through them. Maybe some kids will react uh you know positively to that, some kids will react negatively, but the bottom line I think a lot has to do with pressure on coaches now to win, you know, what have you done for me lately? Especially you know, obviously in in the in, in the pros it's like that, but you're seeing it trickle down, obviously now to the colleges, and you almost all, all starting to see in high school now, you know, where high school program, if you're not winning the first couple of years, two, three years, you know, you have parents start complaining, then the next thing they start at board meetings and then the coach is out. So it's trickling down to all you know all, all levels of sports
1: it definitely is my thing is the the whole mike rice incident he he's a bully, obviously but he he he's not he's not a producer he wasn't getting wins he's not getting he's not getting the what needs to be done done now you talked about you know what's so he goes through he's he's not a successful coach but the pressure of winning is there. However, the pressure, you know, it's it's there for 360, however many Division One coaches there are. I mean, the the pressure to win is there, obviously, not at like a program like Rutgers, but Rutgers, you know, moving to the Big Ten soon. So obviously, it's going to be a little more and more. But you're, 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 you're coach. Like, I, I just don't understand. Like, pressure, we can say, talk about pressure all we want, and we can talk about the pressure to win. The bottom line, it, no amount of pressure is gonna is gonna have you do what you did. Uh, no amount of pressure is gonna have you be the person you are, the boy that you are. And you know if if he's such a if he's a good coach, like what what do you you're, you're killing you're killing the recruiting, you're killing everything about the university, and you're I mean he's costing everyone he's costing everyone their jobs. I mean it, it, there's going to be more heads that are going to roll because of this whole entire incident.
2: Well, oh, I think Kev, everybody in their job has pressure. I mean, there, there's lawyers out there with pressure to win cases. I don't know if they're necessarily throwing legal pads at their uh, at their you know secretaries and things like that. But there's pressure in everything, and sports is no different. But it's how you react to the pressure that kind of makes you the coach who you are. I mean, for instance, Brad Stevens. I love watching Brad Stevens on the sideline. Here they are, down one to Marquette. One down one or two to Marquette. With four seconds left, in, Bartler's inbounding the ball. And you look at Brad Stevens. He's sitting there with his arms crossed. The shot's in the air. His arms are still crossed. He's looking. The shot misses. And he just turns and walks to the other coach. There's no screaming. And I know everybody coaches differently. You know, Rick Patino, he's up and down the sidelines. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski, you know, he's kind of just sitting there. But he'll get up. He'll get in the ref's ears. Uh, you know, different coaches coach different ways. But I, I just love Brad Stephens' demeanor on the sideline. To me as a coach, if you're if you're calm, your players are calm. If you're nervous, your players are nervous. If the players see you getting all excited, they get excited.
1: I totally agree and, and and I think we've had good experience. We played under a high school coach both of us who who was very calm, very calm under pressure, Jim Crawford. And that's who I always kind of look at as the best coaches, the guys that can calmly at the end of the game, like you said, like a Brad Stevens you're in the game, you lo- you're looking to one person. Now if you're looking at a guy like Mike Rice who's sitting there grabbing players and screaming and flipping out, you're start. you're going to do the same. It's going to be everyone's anxiety is going to rise. Now, you don't need your anxiety to rise. It's the end of the game, you have to get the job done. If you everyone's anxious, if everyone's going crazy, you're not going to win.
2: Yeah. I- you, you look at coaches, Kev, who are calm on the sideline. To me, if you're ranting and raving on the sideline, coaching every possession, you know, if your team's in a zone, like you don't see Jim Beheim coaching every possession when that team's in a zone. Why? Because they practice the zone all the time in practice so the kids know where to be. To me, if you're coaching play-by-play, pass-by-pass, possession-by-possession, what did you do in practice that week? You know, it... You know, now obviously sometimes it, players lost on defense. You know, you know, watch, you know, drop back or players in one three one zone. You know, drop drop to the baseline to something like that. I understand every once in a while, but if you're coaching possession possession, what did you do in practice? So I just think the whole Mike Rice thing is just out of control. It has to be stopped. And I think the good thing about this coming out now is I think other coaches, if this was going on. Will stop immediately. I don't think I don't think you're going to see this anymore. If because they they know the consequences now. These tapes come out, you get fired. Bottom line, end of story.
1: Yeah, the, you're right. There's there's this incident is going to stop. And you look at I mean we we talk about Penn State. You you have no idea. I mean people are sick in this world. What happened at Penn State could have been happening elsewhere. There's already the the issue with Syracuse was claiming the same thing. Syracuse basketball camps had a guy doing the same thing.
2: See, what makes me sick in all this, Kev, is what makes me sick in all this is that these athletic directors and these presidents, they protect the the school more than the kids. The the whole thing with Penn State, if Paterno would have came out right away and went to the authority and said, my assistant coach is doing whatever he was doing, he would have been a hero. But no, Joe Paterno wanted to protect his program, you know we're Penn State, blah blah blah. Now all of a sudden everything comes down. He gets fired. Everything goes on, and uh, it's just uh, it's just it's just not a good scene.
1: I believe we have a caller in the line. Caller, welcome to the Matchup Zone.
3: Well, thanks. It's uh, Don from Fairfax. How are you guys?
1: Ah, good to hear your voice again.
3: What's up, Don? <laughs> you too. How's your bracket doing, you guys?
1: Uh, mine exploded and uh, caught fire. <laughs> Mine, oh, no. ex- mine, mine
2: exploded, caught fire, but didn't catch as much fire as Kev's.
3: I know Florida Gulf Coast killed me. I had them going all the way. <laughs> it's, it's,
1: it's frustrating.
3: <laughs> and then the shockers let me down. I I don't know what's going on there.
1: I know. Those underdogs, what, what gives?
3: I know. Hey, on the Mike Rice thing, not being a psychologist or psychiatrist, I think when a coach goes into a situation, there's always this, Anticipation that it's going to be uh, a nirvana thing. I'm going to go in. I'm going to get great players. i'm We're going to do great things. And then when you get into the season and you start losing games, then I I think the that other person living in the head comes out. So now I've tried this thing and it doesn't work. And the strange person gets stranger, and the the predator in a person be, starts uh, preying on these kids. And um, like a Mike Rice thing, it just there's more pressure building, and that ugly side keeps coming out, and I and I think that's probably what happened up there. And I think uh, Mike's point was right on that uh, a coach's demeanor is reflected by the players. I mean, in, in a game, if the coach is confident, you're you're down by a few points, and the players come off the floor, and the coach from uh, I forget his name from uh, from Wichita State. Did you hear his halftime speech the other night? In the game, he said, we played good. We didn't play great, but we played good and we're still in the game. So let's go back and let's play great this next half. And everybody in the stands who's not wearing red is going to be on our side. So let's take that onto the floor. And I just thought that was really uh, motivating for those kids not to go in and get beat up and say you guys stink, you didn't play, you, you played awful. But he said you played good, but you didn't play the best as you can.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think you know, obviously he's he's done a terrific job with that team this year, and I, and I totally agree. I think that's in terms of getting those guys out there, you know, when, when, and 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 producing them that during the second half. That's you have to have the right thing to say. You have to have that pep talk. You have to have that, you know, Vince Lombardi moment. That really that really gets him fired up, and that's you know that's what separates the guys like like him from the guys like Mike Rice because they're when when you watched after the game, I mean he's he's crying after the game after when they're interviewing him talking about his team, you know, and how close they came, and he's crying, he's visibly upset because he he loves these kids. I mean that's this is his life, this is his livelihood. A guy like Mike Rice, you don't he might say he loves the, these kids, but you don't. I mean. People, people love me. I've never had any of them throw a ball at my head. Exactly. Well,
2: Don, Don, Don Don brings up a great point too, and I, I think when Don, when you said each coach, I think goes into it saying, "Yeah, this is going to be great. We're going to win. I'm going to get great players. We're going to win." Then all of a sudden, oh, I'm two and fourteen in my first sixteen games. What's going on here? So I think every coach gets into it with obviously the right intention, saying, "You know, we're going to win. We're going to win. We're going to win." Now what? You know how a coach reacts when the chips are down. I think that says a lot more than how he reacts when they're you know they're on a 12 game winning streak.
3: Yeah, I think people you just start to flip out and you lose control, and that that ugly person comes out and you start doing irrational things. And unfortunate for Mike Rice, he was like that and and he got caught. But great point that now that this is out there, I think everybody who has those tendencies has to rethink their strategy about and their modus operandi of, of how they coach because. It, 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 there's a film going or a camera going all the time, every place, and with the right. with YouTube and everything out there. I mean, you just if you're a college coach, you just can't afford to take that chance. You you better bury the ugly person and, and start doing it right.
2: Now, now, Don, you're from Fairfax. Are you anywhere close to uh, Virginia Commonwealth? I don't know the.
3: No, it's about um, well, yeah, about an hour and a half away, and they're down in Richmond.
2: Okay, they're in Richmond. So, so are you? Uh, were you uh, kind of have a rooting interest there?
3: A little bit because uh, George Mason is in Fairfax and okay. VCU was in the the CAA for a long time, yep. and and then they moved out into the A10. But yeah, that, that's um, if George Mason isn't winning, everybody flips over to VCU because you have is a that, better chance of winning with them.
2: Is that the way it goes? But yeah, that was a
3: great story too.
2: Yeah, well uh, I guess I guess people in Fairfax aren't too happy that Jim Larinega moved on to Miami, obviously coach of the year this year, but uh Oof, yeah. But you know, you see it all the time. Kevin and I talked about it last week. When when these coaches make the great runs in the tournaments, you know, they always they always land a better job. Like the guy from Wichita State, he could probably any job open up the country, he's probably on the top of somebody's list. So yeah. how about know,
3: Rutgers for that?
2: Well Rutgers, you know, yeah, well, we had Matt Brady on a couple weeks ago, coach at uh, James Madison. He'd be a nice name, you know, being a Jersey guy. But, you know, I, I don't know. I don't. I think Rutgers more of a football school. I think uh, he, he'd be better off staying at Wichita State. I think for basketball.
3: Yeah, because he he can do the three things. He can motivate. He can recruit. And he can coach. So I, I think he can write his ticket if he's interested in moving. I mean, I could see him as a, a Big Ten, ACC, Big East, like really wherever he wants to go.
1: Yeah, it, it, you know he's going to have something. He's going to have an opportunity, and we talked about that. Some of these guys, whether or not they would, they'd rather stay at a school like a Wichita State or a Butler or a VCU, because you get guys for four years. You have programs that worship you. You go. For, I mean, the pressure is off. Brad Stevens, like you, like Mike, like you said, Brad Stevens probably never ever has to worry about winning or losing again. I think he's he's two national championship games. Uh, or two, yeah, two, two, two yeah, final fours, two final fours. Uh, I don't think he ever has to worry. He can coach a Butler, like you said, with with a guy like uh, Tom Izzo. He can coach at Butler until Butler no longer has a basketball firm. Don, let me, yeah, let me ask I you think, quick. I'm
3: sorry. I think Jim Laranaga got Coach of the Year. Yes. Don, let,
2: let me ask you one quick question before you let you go. Let, let's say you had a son playing at Rutgers, and um, you know, let let's say that he kind of kept everything under wraps, and you didn't know anything about what was going on, and all of a sudden the videotapes come out, and you see his actions. I mean, what what are your first inclinations?
3: Oh, he's out of there. My my, my son would be gone. Right. Um. Th- because there's just no need for it. At some point, I'd I'd like to uh, get Bob McCormick, who I coached with in AAU, who has a really fabulous perspective on on treating players. To to call into the show and and do a, f- a couple minutes on what his philosophy is, which is completely different than than Mike Rice, um, but yeah, I think if you're a parent and you have a kid in a situation like that, whether it's in a a, 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 a county league or a, a youth program, all the way up through college, you just you can't tolerate that because I think it's it's destructive to the player.
1: It is destructive to the player, and they, you know, in terms of psyche, in terms of uh, how these kids react. I mean, it's look at the look at the issues that, that go on in this country with bullying and what happens and the consequences of bullying that, that go on. And it's the same thing, you know. The, the, these guys now are, are 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 they're scarred. I mean, they're scarred. Their basketball <laughs> lives are scarred. They could be great players. They're just scarred
3: it ruins their self esteem they they think i'm a I'm a failure I'm no good, I'm not living up to the coach's expectations, and a lot of those the bullying uh that goes on i think there's there's not a lot of communication that goes on i think if they communicate rather than bully uh kids understand what's going on and and you don't have to throw the basketball at the kid or grab him by the shirt and and physically threaten him because you you just destroy it and then then kids get into a situation where they have their time on the floor, and they can't wait to get off the court because as soon as they do something wrong, they know that this guy's going to beat up on them.
2: Yeah, and, you, you, and it
3: just it, it tears everything down.
2: Right. Well, listen, Don, we we appreciate you. We appreciate you coming on, uh, giving us a couple minutes of your perspective on uh, on Mike Some some really nice insights, and uh, we look forward to talking to you again.
3: Thanks for the time. Thanks, Enjoy man. the show. All right, have a bye good bye. night. Thanks.
2: Bye. Well, there you ha- there you have it. Don from Fairfax, Virginia. I guess our uh, demographics are expanding a little bit there, Kev. Um, Don brings up some great points. I mean, you know, he said he he, he used to coach with someone who, um, you know, AU, I guess, who has a, a unique perspective on how to treat kids. I, I think it's law. I, You know, winning kind of takes a, I think coaches at all – coaching is about having an ego, I think, too. I mean, coaches want to win. Coaches want to win. They don't want to lose. And I think the coaches who don't want to lose, I think, are the coaches who are the most successful. You know, you hear a lot of Mike Krzyzewski, Um Mike Krzyzewski always talks about it's very easy to, to lose. It's very hard to win. Um, and, and I think I, I think I kind of agree with him.
1: Hello. Hello. All right. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's something that we talked about, you know, whether or not uh, some of these guys, you know, go what the, when, when you're a coach, you know, there's a lot of pressure, obviously, and things, things happen, but there, bottom line, you can't, you can't, you can't bully. You can't do things like that. It's, it's unacceptable. I don't think it's ever going to be considered acceptable. And, uh, you know, this is a different day and age. I think it's got to move on
2: was bullying ever when we were growing up going to school I don't know if there was really such thing as bullying I mean I think bullying has taken on a whole new meaning um I, you know you, you talk to kids in grade schools now everything is these policies against bullying and things like that I, I just thought they were tough I didn't know it was bullies I just thought they were tough kids taking my lunch money all the time I they I just assumed they were mean people yeah um well they, they were for one um but you know, I in in ninth grade or in eighth grade, I was five foot ninety pounds. So I think I think all the the women were taking my lunch money, the girls, the teachers, anybody who anybody who wanted my lunch. I think I bought more lunches in eighth grade than uh than, than anybody in Voorhees Middle School.
1: <laughs> so again, if you want to call in tonight, the number is one three four seven two one five eight one two six. You can follow us on Twitter at the match underscore up zone, on Facebook the match up zone. <clears throat> And email us, thematchupzone at gmail.com. So, we're talking Mike Rice. We're talking Mike Rice basketball at about 8.30 tonight. We're going to have uh, Diana Carmanico. Diana Karamanico, Big Five, all-time leading scorer for the female, for the women. Uh, terrific player, played at University of Pennsylvania. She's going to come on, talk a little Brittany Griner. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Brittany Griner's quest now by, put on by Mark Cuban to get to the NBA. Uh, as ridiculous as it may sound to those of you out there, and as sane as it might sound, we want to hear your opinions. Call in. If you want to talk Mike Rice, if you want to talk, you know, some of the other things that are going on, you know, Pac 10 officials, there's going to be, we're going to get into that now. Uh, if you want to talk Louisville, Wichita State, and uh, Michigan, Syracuse, you want to talk the uh, national championship game, give us a call. 347 215 8126.
2: Yeah, Kev, I, let, Let's get into the Pac-10 officials a little bit. This, this is a very, very intriguing story. For those who don't who don't know, earlier, um, you know, a few weeks ago, the head of the Pac-10 officials, Eddie Rush, who's actually an NBA official, he what he said was in jest, made a comment to his officials, officiating the Arizona crew, that uh, he, he'll give them money if someone tees up Sean Miller head. Uh, uh, Head, uh, head basketball coach at Arizona, Sean Miller. And Sean Miller coincidentally gets a, gets a technical late in the game for something that really didn't warrant a technical. So later, I guess the next day, this story comes out, and the next day Ed Rush resigns. So you know once someone resigns that the story is going to get bigger and bigger. I always say if a referee doesn't have integrity, what does he have? If, 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 the, if the viewing public is out there saying, man, that didn't look like the right call to me. Is this right? You know, especially after the whole Tim Donaghy thing, going to jail for the for the betting and point shaving and things like that. If the public doesn't believe in the product, guess what? The product has no relevance anymore. Although WWE fans might uh, dis- disagree with me on that, um, they might be the only thing where people know the outcome, or they know that it's fake and not real that still watch. Um, but. I just think this story has a potential to get very ugly if more and more referees start coming out with this. Um, you know, then you get players involved point shaving. It's, it's just very, very bad. It's not good for college. It's not good for sports. It's not good for the public.
1: Can we get a scandal free uh, something in college sports? It seems like ever, there's just a scandal after scandal after scandal. And, you know, we're going to get into that in a later show just how corrupt college athletics is, the NCAA is. Uh, especially considering uh, I talked to or I saw Paul Shirley. Paul Shirley is a uh, writer, played at Iowa State, then went on and played in the NBA, started writing a blog, got picked up, uh, published a book. Very humorous writer now, writes for Flip Collective. Now, he posted this thing the other day on Facebook, and it's perfect because it's a picture of Kevin Ware's injury, and then underneath is the T-shirt that they're now selling. That that Louisville's now sell or that NCAA is now selling for twenty five dollars with number five on the back and uh, you know win it for Louisville. I just think it's it's fairly unbelievable about that they're going to try to exploit the injury of Kevin Ware and make twenty five bucks per t shirt. Uh, I bet Kevin Ware is not getting any of that money.
2: Yeah, but unfortunately, that's the world we live in now, and this stuff goes on all the time and it's not going to get any better. It will get worse before it gets better. Um, Kevin Ware is a pretty inspirational kid. though. Listen to that interview on ESPN. Man, for a 19-year-old kid who just had his bone come through his leg, uh, he's got the right perspectives on, perspective on life. And if, if you can't root for that kid, I don't know who you can root for. I mean, I, I know now that a lot of people have jumped on Bulls' bandwagon just for Kevin Ware. Uh, and you know what? This kid... Uh, He's an inspiration. I mean, you know, although did you hear the question the sideline reporter asked him yesterday? She said, I don't know who it was. I forget who it was. She said, she said, Kevin, when can you expect to be back on the court? I mean, here's a kid who just had his bone coming through his leg uh, five days ago. She's already asked him that question. I mean, I'm, well, come on.
1: Well, that's because sideline reporters are idiots. Look at Craig Sager. There's not much bigger. There's not, not no idiot bigger than Craig Sager. I mean, I don't even think he's a good reporter. I think the questions he asks are, are mind numbing. Now, that being said, they're throwing these reporters in there as a sideline reporters. They have to ask something every time that a sideline reporter asks a question, it's going to be the wrong time to ask it.
2: Yeah. I don't think, I don't think a sideline reporter has a, has a desirable job. Coach is down 15 at halftime. Coach, what do you think about your team's first half performance? Um, so they they have a tough job, but I don't think any half. I, I think we have to get two things. We have to get rid of. Kev. One is the halftime interview in college, and when Fox does the in-game baseball interview with the manager in like the fourth inning, I mean they give you nothing. Half of the time they throw they throw the pitching coach in front. Of you. Yeah, go go talk to you know go talk to uh, Ken Rosenthal. I don't want to talk to that guy.
1: Yeah, talk talk to Richard Doobie. That's that's who. Uh... That's what we're gonna do right now. Uh you're right. And I think sideline reporting it's 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 definitely an interesting job, I think, you know, in order to to get those people to to say what they want to say. And I agree, you can't ask the coach the question going in the halftime. They're trying to get something there's nothing positive can come.
2: You know what would be a nice you know would be a really good halftime interviewer guy? Who's that? Zeke the intern. I mean he brings nothing to the show, why not bring nothing to a halftime?
1: Zeke would be a terrific, uh, terrific. Zeke, what, Zeke, what are you, what are you doing over there? What is going on, Zeke? Uh, Zeke is, uh, is, he the,
2: the is, he watch, is he watching the Flyers on? Is Zeke watching the Flyers right now?
1: Uh, Zeke may be watching the Flyers. Zeke, what is the deal? Talk to us. Wait, you only get on the right now, Zeke, get over here.
2: I do. Come on, Zeke, get over.
1: So Zeke, you know what, what? What's your deal? So first off, Zeke, you've been gone for about you've been gone for about two weeks. You show up, and I get the you show up, and I'm uh, suddenly I'm hearing all this crazy talk about how you want to then you want to be on the matchup zone every week doing a five minute segment with your with your BFF. Just talking talking sports. I don't I don't understand really really what's going on.
2: Yeah, before Zeke starts talking, um, the less of him we hear is better. But he wants to talk every minute for finance. He brings nothing to the show, but yet he wants to that's like that's like I never show up for work but I want to raise. Zeke, explain yourself.
1: Explain, Zeke.
4: Well the past two weeks I've I've had two pretty reasonable excuses not to be here. And even when I wasn't here I still managed to call in and help you guys out. So I think the um the ridicule I'm getting right now is
1: pretty unwarranted, if you ask me. I think it's pretty warranted. Now, Zeke, tell me about this this five minutes of fame you want every week. Well, we're still working
4: on it. Me and my buddy, who's shower name, remain nameless for now until we get an official approval from Kevin and Mike to uh, get our little uh, limelight. We just want to, uh, we feel like we have a lot to say, that pe- people want to hear our thoughts on everyday topics, and we want to. Well,
2: all right, let's do this, Kev. Let's do this. Next Sunday we'll be doing the show seven and nine. Let's give Zeke and the nameless dude the first the first five minutes of the show. We'll open with the intro. We'll introduce them, and then let's have Zeke and and the nameless guy
1: take over for the next five minutes. See yeah, how they do. So uh, those of you listening out there. Tune into the matchup zone next week, seven oh five to nine o'clock next week. We'll be going live, seven oh five to nine o'clock. It should be a great show. Uh again, Zeke, what are you gonna talk about? when you were when you were pitching this to me, I didn't really understand what you what you were gonna talk about. Tell me what are you gonna talk sports, are you gonna talk basketball? Are you gonna talk or is, are you guys just gonna be there giggling at each other and tickling each other the entire time? We don't giggle and tickle each other. We we might talk a little
4: basketball. We could talk we could talk any sport. We we have a lot of knowledge on pretty much everyday life, and people want to hear our thoughts. And uh, we're we're happy to finally get the chance to uh, share
1: our thoughts to, to our listeners. Zach, by the way, people people barely want to hear our thoughts. What makes you think that they're going to want to hear yours?
2: Zeke, why don't you do what Kevin and I did and, and actually put a show together instead of coming on our show and trying to take over? I mean, I mean people want to hear our everyday thoughts. Like who? Nobody wants to hear your thoughts. We don't we're standing next to you for two hours every Sunday night and we we don't want to hear your thoughts. What makes you think everybody else does?
4: You know, I know everyone else does because uh I get I get that those comments every day. Um people who listen to the matchup zone will come up to me and say, You should get some more uh you should get some more airtime, Zeke, because you're way more pretty much an all around better person than Kevin and Mike when it comes to basketball and pretty much everything else.
1: (laughs) That's nice of you to
2: say. We're not debating that. Um Alright, Zeke, well go sit back in the corner and do whatever you were doing. Thanks for thanks for the couple minutes. And if that's any indication of what next week's gonna be like, tune in at seven ten. Uh but again, the Pac ten officials, I I think we have to dive into this a little bit. Um Kev, let let's say let's say you're an Arizona basketball player and you lose a heartbreaker, you put in months and months of work and you lose a heartbreaker. You get an unwarranted technical at the end of the game. Well, you you think it's unwarranted, unwarranted then, and then come to find out that the officials had agreements and the officials are making bets and stuff like that. What are your thoughts after you know that's going on?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, I just I just went into my phone and and actually hit the Safari button, and the first thing that came up was uh, I was searching for the line of the <laughs> of the Wichita State uh, Wichita State game last night. So I'm probably the wrong person to be asking in terms of uh, betting. No, I, de- I definitely agree. If there's, if I ever found out that official, officials, your your job is to control the game. Do that. Just do it. I understand what you're going through. I mean, they they did the whole entire thing on how much officials are making. It's not a lot. <clears throat> they're they're not really breaking the bank in terms of that. And again, NCAA. The, the chairman of the NCAA, the guy who, who gives coffee to the chairman of the NCAA is probably making a million and a half. Yet NBA, NCAA officials can't make more than $50,000 a year.
2: Yeah, refereeing at any sport, is, it's a thankless job. Basically, if you go unnoticed, you did your job. Um, you know, if, you, if, they're, if people are talking about you, coaches, fans are talking about you, you probably did a poor job. And there's been some pretty bad officiating going on in these NCAA games. Now, again, I know it's hard for a split second to see if a guy's right heel was you know, below the dotted line for a charge. I mean, it's very hard. These guys generally are very good. But when you look at the kid for the Tigers who uh, had the perfect game a couple of years ago taken back by just a, an egregious call at first base. I mean, he was safe by you – know, I mean, the guy was out by – here's what I understand about that call from the Tigers. Here's, here's what I understand about that, Kevin. Here you are, a first base umpire. A kid has a perfect game going. Are you more inclined to call that kid out
1: or safe at that point?
2: Like, if a close call, a close call. I think he's out.
1: You're more inclined to call him out because, yeah, like you said, if it, tie goes to history. A close call is out. Yeah, tie goes to history. I mean, if if it's if it's like you said, if it's anywhere close. You gotta go. You gotta call him out. Here. You are out because you know you're you're messing with history. Now maybe he's one of those purists who's not crazy about how many perfect games, all the all the uh, the amount of them that's going on in the past decade, and he's trying to you know really keep Nolan Ryan a household name.
2: By the way, we almost had a perfect game on opening day. Was that opening day? The kid almost he got a, he got broken up in the ninth inning.
1: Are you talking to you Darvish? Yes. Was that? That that was it. Opening day. I think it might have been opening day. Yeah, because he's the he's the number one for Texas, right? So, if...
2: uh, I think it was opening day. And if, if we're wrong, um, sorry about that. But I think it was opening day where you Darvish uh, almost had a no hitter.
3: Yeah.
2: What? What do you think is the most? I mean, Nolan Ryan has seven no hitters. I don't think that's ever ever going to be topped. Um. What, what do you think? Kev is the most unbreakable record in sports. Now, us not having talk, I'll talk about this. You probably don't think about, it. but just off the just off the top of your head, what's the most unbreakable record in sports?
1: I'm, I'm going. I'm going. Uh, DiMaggio. I, think, I in terms of in terms of sports. I mean, basketball. The guy. The guys are getting freakishly athletic, freakishly talented. Uh, it's. It's. I think it's the only record out there that. You. you it can't be beat by bigger, stronger, faster.
2: Yeah, I disagree. I, I think that does have a chance to be broken. We've seen Pete Rose got close, had 44-game history, a couple other guys, you know, Jimmy Rollins, I think, had the 33. Dan Ugla had a history a couple years ago, in the, you know, 30, 35. Um, and, again, still 20, 20, 20 games away. But, obviously, a couple to come to my mind. One, Cy Young's 511 wins will never be broken. No, never, no one's even no one will ever get to four hundred, let alone five hundred. And uh, Johnny Vandermeer pitched back to back no hitters, which obviously will never happen again because no one's going to pitch back the back you know, two two games in a row. Um, but I, well, do you think batting four hundred or fifty six game hitting streak will happen first?
1: I don't know. The other day on, ML, on uh, MLB Two K thirteen, I I spent a season I was pretty much batting four hundred for the, for the season, so that one's. Uh, one that I think could 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 definitely uh could definitely uh be broken.
2: Whenever I when I was younger and I used to play those, those baseball games, like you'd always want like you'd be the Phillies and you'd put your lineup together and like if Ryan Howard or something, you know, if your number four you know, Tomy or whoever Schmidt, if they started like O for one, like you'd reset it. You'd reset the game. Like you, you always wanted them to start off with like a home run.
1: I like the I like the video game you were playing with Mike Schmidt in it. <laughs> was that bases loaded?
2: I think it was. It was a, I think it was Tecmo Bowl. Mike Schmidt was actually in Tecmo Bowl. I think. <laughs> uh, remember RBI Baseball for Nintendo? Was that Nintendo or say RBI Baseball?
1: I don't know. RBI Baseball sounds familiar. I'm, I, I played. I mean,
2: I'm a little bit older than you too.
1: So. That's true. RBI Baseball. I, I I definitely played all those baseball games with uh, my brother growing up. I know we were we were big on. There's one game. All I know is there's one game. It was on the Commodore 64, and whatever game it was called, they I, I used to just be blown away because they used to have Pong, when the balls can go really fast. This game, I think it was called Hardball actually, and you th- the pitcher would throw it, and it would be like it would take about 15 seconds to get to the plate, and you would be able to swing really quick, but. The ball would take forever to get to the play. I just never understood that. I was like, who is was in charge of making this game and putting it out there?
2: Was that one of these games where you could swing twice? Like the ball's coming, you swing, and then you miss, your swing. Uh, you know you know what's funny?
1: And I dare anybody
2: give us a call. I dare anybody to tell me there is nothing more boring in your life than watching someone else play Super Mario Brothers when they're good. Because you could sit there for 20, 25 minutes, you know, and it's just the most boring thing. when my when my parents got us Mario Brothers growing up, my sister and I, we used to play it constantly. We used to fight who was going to play first. You always want to play first because my sister was so good. I'd sit there for a half hour before, and she would always get the extra lies, And I'm just sitting there, sitting there, sitting. There. It's the most boring thing watching someone play Super Mario Brothers.
1: Well, the whole thing about Super Mario Brothers was funny is that if you're playing with someone who is really good and you're really bad. You'd go through and you know, they'd go and they'd be on level seven and then you you're Luigi, you go up and you die on level one. So they get back and they're just about they lose to Bowser at the end of the game and then they flash back to you Luigi and you're like on board too and everyone's just like, Wow. It's it's really demoralizing when you watch how good someone else is and then they flash back to you and it's just like I suck. There's
2: nothing more embarrassing when you're with a bunch of people and everybody else is good and like you stink like it's like if you go like uh, wakeboarding with your buddies, right? And like you're ne- you, and like you're bad. I mean the the, the one thing the one thing everyone oh he's they're in the boat Oh, he's down again Jesus he stinks why did we take this kid he's down again like you know when be that kid oh he's always falling every, holding everybody up you know. Um, fortunately though, Kev, I was always good at everything. Growing up, that never happened to me.
1: Zeke, uh, you want to you want to fill us in on what what that's like? I'm I'm pretty much drawing a blank. I don't know. I was pretty much the best at everything. I think Zeke might be the. Uh... Might be the guy.
2: See, Zeke, you look like you're pretty much the kind of guy who's not too good at anything. Um, now nah, I'm kidding. We, we, we make fun of Zeke a lot, um, Zeke's actually uh, a, a nice kid. We make fun of him, and it's all it's all in fun. But Zeke's actually a good kid. He he helps us out uh, about one Sunday every month. Uh, he's supposed to be here every Sunday, but uh, you know he's uh, he's a young kid. And he's trying to get his he's trying to get his life in order.
1: He's trying to get his foot in the door. We understand that. I, I, like we said, we joke with Zeke Zeke's a great intern he does his his job very well uh with whatever hardships he may be dealing with he's always there for us good job Zeke again, one three four seven two one five eight one two six is the call in number tonight at the match underscore up zone on Twitter Facebook the match up zone hit us up let us know what you're thinking out there Zeke. Where, where are we at? Where are we at in terms of, of the of the of the Twitter world? What are they saying out there? I want to hear what the Twitter world thinks of what is going on.
4: Um, there's one tweet that uh, caught my eye when you guys were talking about sideline reporters. Uh, Matt Vender, who was on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, came up with a he he stuck up for Molly Sullivan. Who I, I'm not too familiar with Molly Sullivan, but he says that uh
1: quote unquote Molly Sullivan is awesome. That's because she's pretty. Matt Bender, keep it in your pants. Like I understand, like you can't just because she's pretty, it doesn't mean she's good at what she does. That's what we talked about. There's people, Craig Sager wears fancy, stupid, ridiculous suits, yet he's 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 making millions of dollars. He's not good. Molly Sullivan's pretty. She's she might not be great at what she does. She's just pretty face. It's nice to see a pretty face when you're an athlete at the end of the game.
2: Well, then how did D lineham getting how did D Lineham get into sports? Her dad.
1: Yeah, that's, I mean, her dad definitely got her into that job.
2: I mean, HD's killing a lot of people. She's one of them. Hey, Zeke, by the way, how uh, you don't have to come all the way over Just You can yell it to me. Uh, Matt Bender, how old is Matt Bender? Mm-hmm. Matt Bender's a sophomore in high school. I think he writes for a Temple newspaper. Um, I, I mean, this kid, I I follow him on Twitter just because he's, uh, he, he's a pretty interesting kid. Matt Bender may be the most mature sophomore I've ever – I mean, Zeke, he makes you look like a – a third grader.
1: We should we should we should bring him on, have him be the intern. We need to have an intern. Forget him be an intern. Can he host? <laughs> we need to have an intern battle. You know what? You know what tonight is, Mike? Tonight is WrestleMania. Tonight is WrestleMania going on. Uh, probably you know you won't miss anything, so don't worry. Hey, hey, don't don't you exit out of that internet connection. You stay with us. After uh, WrestleMania will be on. They have a replay. Keep keep going with, but WrestleMania is on tonight uh, on pay per view or whatever you want to do. We should we should have our own little WrestleMania. Have a Zeke, Matt Vender, uh, the nameless kid, and who else? Everyone else that Zeke wants to bring bring in here, and have a four man battle royale to see who's going to be the intern for the rest of the year.
2: Kev, I'm going to have Zeke right now pull up the WrestleMania matches for tonight, and we're going to go through, and I want you to pick all the winners. All right, so I'll give you the matches. You pick now. Again, you may not have heard some of these guys. You may have just what you think, and, we'll, and and next week we'll see how many you got right. All right, Zeke just pulled it up right here. All right, hold on a second. Let me get them here, Kev. You you talk. Let me get the matches.
1: All right, I I think I'm actually going to be pretty good at this because, to my wife's chagrin, on Monday nights I do pop on Raw every once in a while. I'll I'll, I'll fly through, so I, I'll be able to put a name to the face. And I'll pretty much be able to tell you storyline-wise, where you know where they're going. I know Triple H came back; he's got a new haircut. Uh, I know John Cena and, and the Rocker are, are the main event tonight. So I, I think that's. I'll be able to. I, I I think I'll be able to pretty much guess who the matchups are or guesstimate who's going to win. Now there's some guys that I have no idea. There's, there's guys that I'm just going to pretty much throw a name out there. But the big timers, by the way, speaking of, and we're going to relate this to basketball. Speaking of the big of wrestlemania did you know the big show was played for wichita state university played basketball at wichita state university
2: oh he's tall and i'll put you seven foot um he he looks like a pretty good athlete moving around the court a little bit um but whatever respect i had for you which was very little kev i just lost in that last little two minute when you said that you still watch wwe and you know the storylines and can relate to that uh I think the last wrestle I think the last wrestling I mat- match I watched was uh, it was actually a midget match between Sky Low and the Haiti Kid back in the mid eighties.
1: You are, you are full of it now. I will tell you why you're full of it because I can go to your house right now and I know where they are and I can pull out a duffel bag full of WWF, now WWE DVDs. Uh, you know we have we have everything we have, we have. They're not DVDs. They're beta. That's beta, Kev. Rowdy, Roddy Piper. Uh, I sat there and watched him, and he's with you. I know that you're into this. Ric Flair, you, we watched the history of Ric Flair together.
2: Kev, I, I was taking my nephew to a wrestling match. He made me buy all these because he, he wanted me to kind of keep up on the history of wrestling, things like that. Now, I actually, I was a huge, huge wrestling fan. Uh, my favorite wrestler of all time, I get mad when people say Hulk Hogan is their favorite wrestler of all time. The guy had no talent. You know, he didn't, all right, we got to see, hold on a second here. All right, all right, Kev. Here we go. We have the matches, so I'm going to give you a match. Zeke, write these winners down. Who you think? Uh, here, here's Zeke. Take, write these down. Write Kev's winners down. Then we'll document them next week and see how he did. Take that. All right, you ready, Kev? First match, and I'll I'll go from the bottom to the to the to the top. Wait, where are they here? How many matches? How many matches? Are, oh, okay. Here we go. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, there's nine matches, or ten. First match, tons of funk. The Funkadelics versus Team Rhodes Scholars and the Bella Twins, and I'll be honest, I've never heard of them.
1: I've, I've never heard of either, either of them. I'm going to guess because there's Bella Twins that there's some kind of slutty, or am I allowed to say, yeah, I'll say it. There's some kind of slutty hot girls, so the fans are going to be rooting for them. And I'm I'm going half good guys, half bad guys tonight. So I'm gonna go, I'm going bad guys off the bat. So I'm gonna go team. What is it? Team Funk.
2: Yes, Team Funk and the Funkadelics.
1: I'm going Parliament Funk and the Funkadelics uh, for for match number one.
2: All right, there you have it, Kev. Understanding the wrestling psychology with the with the slutty girls and the, who the fans want to see win. So he's going with the Funkadelics. Okay, in a WWE tag team match, WWE tag team match, we have. Team Hell No versus Dolph Ziggler and Biggie Langston.
1: Now I'm see you can't go two. This is what I'm going to say, and this is how I'm going to explain my psychology. You can't go two bads in a row. You can go two goods in a row. You got to leave the people feeling good, or you don't have to leave them feeling good, but they have to have that joy, or else they're just going to go away pissed off. I know Dolph Ziggler's a bad guy. I mean, I tuned in like three months ago, and he was definitely a bad guy. You can't turn that quickly to be a fan favorite.
2: Sure you can, and WWE anything's possible. You wake up and he can wake up and be a baby face.
1: <laughs> I don't really know what the what the makeup team hell No, but I'm going team hell no on this one. I don't know if they're 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 some kind of degeneration X rejects, but I'm going team hell no. All
2: right, Zeke, he's going team hell no in match number two. Okay, the third match, Chris Jericho versus Fandango, and we're not talking about the movie the movie uh, tickets or whatever, Fandango. Chris Jericho, who I believe was Y2J, against Fandango. Who do we have, Kevin?
1: How would you know? How would you know about Y2J? Uh, <laughs> you're going to play a lot of this on your nephew, aren't you? Y2J versus Fandango. I don't know who Fandango is. I know who Chris Jericho is. I want to say Chris Jericho is still a bad guy. He, he he turns more than more than anyone. He's 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 like Roddy Piper. Like he, 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 the people love him, then they hate him, then they love him, then they hate him. He's back and forth a lot. I'm going, I'm going Chris Jericho. See
2: Chris Jericho. By the way, speaking of Roddy Piper, there was nothing more upsetting when I was a kid when he was like a good guy, like when he was on Hogan's side in the Piper's pits. Like Roddy Piper was the ultimate bad guy. And when he turned into like a good guy, it was a very upsetting day in my life, and I'm, I'm still qu- not quite over that. Next match, Kev, we have... By the way, we're doing a WrestleMania preview with Kevin, our wrestling expert. We have in the next match, Ryback versus Mark Henry. I believe Mark Henry was the once dubbed the world's strongest man. So we have Ryback against Mark Henry.
1: Ooh, I, the only reason I know Ryback is I was on Facebook the other day. <laughs> I was on Facebook the other day, and somebody had posted a picture. Apparently, he was in in the mall not too long ago at that that hall of House of Heroes. Yeah,
2: I know who posted the picture. You
1: <laughs> and <laughs> Ryback was there with someone that I went to high school with, and they were posing for the <laughs> for the picture, so I could get a. He was a pretty big guy. Mark Henry definitely is not the strongest man in the world anymore. He, he he's I mean. You can't hold that title for about for ten years. I think there's just going to be someone. It's like the NBA. There's always going to be someone bigger, faster, stronger. I'm going, I'm going to Ryback on this one.
2: All right, Ryback, got that Zeke. Next world ham he- world heavyweight championship match. Albert Del Rio, not to be confused with Jaguars coach Jack Del Rio or ex coach. Albert Del Rio versus Jack Swagger. Who do we have?
1: Jack Swagger. Oh, wait, let me. Who is it again? Albert, Alberto del Rio, Alberto. I think he's the. See, I watched. I think he's the guy. He's the. the his whole stick is he's Italian and he's like real Italian. So he like walks through and he's like, you know, the the flag of Italy and he, he he plays it to like you know with the Italian accent and things like that. Jack Swagger, I think is a bad guy, but I think he's actually turned into a good guy. Ooh, this is a tough one. I'm going Jack Swagger for the win here. Jack swept by pinfall? By submission. <laughs>
2: <laughs> okay, Jack Swagger, by submission. All right, next match. The, Und- the Undertaker, who I believe is undefeated in WrestleMania matches against CM Punk. Kev, I'm going to go on the limb right here and say that Vince McMahon, I mean, you have to change something. Up. I-, I think Undertaker has to lose. Is this the year? Who do you like? Undertaker or CM Punk?
1: This is a good one. You know what? I I it's it's like a tradition like it's like the masters, a tradition like any other.
2: Now, keep in mind, Kev, that uh long undertaker manager Paul, Paul uh or what was his name? Uh
1: Paul Barra. <laughs> yeah,
2: Paul Barra just passed away. So, I'm sure uh I'm sure Undertaker will have his urn somewhere with his ashes. So, keep that in mind. That could come into play too if that's going to sway your decision one way or another.
1: I I don't think it's going to. I'm a big Undertaker fan. He's a big guy. Uh, he's quite frightening. I, I, I'm going. I'm going. The Undertaker's tradition carries on. I think the Undertaker goes on, wins his. I don't know. God knows how many WrestleMania victories. I'm taking the Undertaker.
2: Do you know what WrestleMania this is, by the way, Kev.
1: Do Do you know it? No, I do no, not. I'm going. Let's go. It started in. I want to say.
2: Actually, I do know when it started. Started in '85, so I could probably do the math. I could do the math. Maybe Zeke, do we have a calculator?
1: '85 sounds about right. I think it did start in '85. So yeah, Wrestle. What is it? WrestleMania. What is that? Twenty? No. Twenty-eight. Okay, yeah. Twenty-nine. Twenty-eight or
2: twenty-nine. The first WrestleMania was the greatest thing. It was. Do you remember the main event in that match, Kev? It was. It was Roddy It was Roddy Piper. Paul, or- Roddy Piper, Paul Orndorff, and Cowboy Bob Orton against Mr. T, Hulk Hogan, and Jimmy Superfly Snuka was the main event.
1: Oof. That's old school. I'm sure you have that one on DVD.
2: <laughs> yeah, I just watched it before the show tonight.
1: Wait, wait, correction. Your cousin has it on DVD.
2: <laughs> okay. Next match, we have no holds barred match. It, and It says here, if Triple H loses... Oh, here we go. The old, if Triple H loses, he must retire match. Yeah, they throw those out. <laughs> yeah, it's only his fourth match in his career has been in there. Apparently, he's 4-0 in those matches. Triple H versus Brock Lesnar.
1: Oof. I know Brock Lesnar. Triple H is always a good guy because he's married to the, da- to the daughter of Vince McMahon, so he's always going to get what he wants. So he's a good guy. I don't even know where we are in the whole big good guy, bad guy story because i don't really know if these guys are good guys or bad guys I, i'm gonna guess see the, i feel like triple h is four and in this one triple h is his body is not healthy so i'm i'm gonna say that he's actually wants to retire but just needs needs to needs an out i'm gonna say that brock lesnar beats him and and hurts him hurts i'm, I'm air quoting here hurts him severely and he's he's done
2: Zeke did Kevin just break down the physical attributes of triple H um all right the last match WWE championship match we have the rock versus John Cena
1: now that's what I'm all about you know why because I when I do tune in uh I'll check out the old you know John Cena his entrance the theme music uh the Rock has come back from his movie career. I think he's he's the guy who's going to win. I don't know who holds the belt. I think The Rock holds the belt. I'm going to guess he's going to keep it because John Cena is starting to be a bad guy even though he doesn't want to be. I think they're lab- the crowd is making him a bad guy because people are just sick of his act and they're booing him and, and it's, it's very frustrating for him to deal with. So I think that's what's happening right now. I think he's... It's not going to be good for him. I think he's going to be the one who's who's going to be out.
2: All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have it, Kevin's WrestleMania twenty eight or nine, whatever the heck we're on. Picks, Kev. I was watching the other day on NBA Hardwood Classics. I was watching. Thanks, Ezekiel. I was watching on hardwood NBA Hardwood Classics the other night. I was watching a, a play a play uh, a throwback game nineteen ninety seven. Utah Jazz versus the Chicago Bulls. And I'm watching the game and the first thing that stuck out, the first thing that jumped out at me, almost jumped out of the TV was, wow, these guys are these guys are thin and skinny. And I'm thinking, man, you know, when I watched the games in the not, when I watched that when I was watching that game live, I'm thinking to myself, man, you watch a game in the 70s and 80s, those guys were thin and skinny. What the heck is it going to look like in 2035, you know, 20, 30 years? I mean, is everybody going to look like LeBron James? I mean, it, it, just Scottie Pippen was thin. Uh, Greg Ostertag wasn't that big. Uh, horn in a second, in a second, and stockton look like they were late for a chess match. I mean they, they just they just look so thin. I just don't know what it's coming to. Everybody gets bigger, faster, stronger. I don't know how much bigger and faster you can get than LeBron James. I mean, I don't know in 20 years if we're going to have you know 24 LeBron James out there
1: it's a good question i don't know like you said the, michael jordan some of these guys are probably looking at him like that's he's so strong like you know when when a when a dennis rodman came in they're just like man he just he just attacks that glass he's so strong rick mahorn comes in and they're like there there's no one charles barkley there's no one who's going to be bigger than these guys thump and bump thump and bump is right they had to say that back then and then you look now and you see Rick Mahorn, only he's playing a guard and dunking over the entire team. So, I think what's going to happen is, that, like you said, bigger, faster, stronger. People are going to look at LeBron and be like, "Okay, he was good. Jordan was good, but they were so undersized." And that's what I'm, I'm. I have a feeling it's going to come to. I'm going to guess that there's going to be a seven foot three guy who's going to be doing what what LeBron's able to do now.
2: By the way, Kev, Zeke just passed me a piece of paper that he wrote the pics down with. Was he writing these with a pork chop? I mean, I, I mean, can we get a can we get a pork chop to English translator over here? What does that say? I don't
5: know what it says.
1: I like how he spelled there's so many spelling it's like riddled with spelling errors. <laughs> I like and it's not really funny because ever people who are listening are probably saying, like, yeah, this is this is about
2: <laughs> who's, who's who's the Apparently you you pick the rook R O U K to win the rook. Uh, he's tough these days.
1: Yeah, he uh, he he he, uh, he checked my bishop the other day. <laughs> it, was, it was it was it was quite the scene. The rook was uh, he was tough. I th- I like <laughs> you know, I don't know why I'm laughing so hard at that, but he spelled it with an I and it's a y.
2: I can't blame him though. I mean, you know these WrestleMania dudes that. <laughs> He, all right, he got Team Hell No right, which is good. Um, all right, Kevin, I think in a few minutes we're going to have uh, – I think Tom from Palmyra will be checking in in a few minutes. Um, a lot to get into still. We talked a lot of Mike Rice. We still had to uh, get a little more into the Pac-10 officials. we got to get into some Brittany Griner talk. We have to get into the championship game tomorrow night. So still a lot on the table. We have about, about 48 minutes left of the show.
1: So let's talk real quick. Let's talk – Championship tomorrow. Now we both made our picks. We both picked. Actually, correction. Louisville. I picked Michigan. Correct. You picked Syracuse.
2: Oh, does that mean I might be getting my singing voice ready?
1: I, I think so. By the way, first off, first off, if Zeke's really quick to dull out the uh, dull out the punishment, what do we do to him since he missed the past two weeks? Are we gonna? Uh, is the loser gonna sing it? Th- that? We thank him. <laughs> Can we make this a duet? Uh, can we can we I mean he he does have a lovely voice.
2: No, I think the lo- I think the loser and Zeke have to do a rendition of uh uh Grease uh Summer Summer Lovin', right? And and Zeke sings the girl's Zeke sings uh Olivia Newton-John's parts and 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 one of us will sing John Travolta's parts.
1: <laughs> I could do that. Zeke You're in. We're we're making it happen. That's what that's what's happening. He's
2: <laughs> Zeke. If you want your five minutes airtime tomorrow uh, next week, you're going to be doing it. You're th- you're singing the girls' version of the summer loving, and I'm and and one what's that? And one of us will sing John Travolta.
1: <clears throat> so you heard it here, folks. Zeke is joining in on the song. Is that by the way, Zeke? Who, who's just yell it? Who's who's uh. Who's requesting songs for for what we're singing next week? Good Girls Will Go Bad. I don't know that one. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. What else we got? Oh, I can definitely rap. I'll definitely rap. Rap's so much easier. You don't sing. It doesn't take much talent. I don't know that one. Showtunes. Give me a yeah. I I don't really know. I'm not really sure about the Drake one. Uh, we'll we'll see what happens with that. I I've never heard some of the I've never heard some of this music. I don't listen to what the kids are listening to these days. I'm just you know watching WWE and trying to survive.
2: By the way, you know all the rap songs now. Everything is uh, Drake featuring so and so, so and so featuring. Like back in the day, like when we were growing up, it was there it was just one rapper. There was nobody featuring. Like Tupac never featured anybody, did he?
1: No, he just he just did it on his own. I think they did the the California Love, that rendition. There was uh, yeah, but they, they like it's like, hey, I'm bringing my friend on, and we're all. It's like this song is by the three of us. This song is by what did they call them? I don't know. I don't think they had a had a name, but they were like the West the West Side guys. They had they came out and they said, this is our song, California Love. For four years
2: of my life, I thought Tupac was a Jewish holiday.
1: <laughs> it's not.
2: Now, Tupac Shakur, is that, is that a, Zeke? Is that a Jewish holiday? Tupac Shakur. Zeke's only half Jewish. Jewish. So Zeke, you get do you celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah. Christmas more, man. That would be. Imagine that. That would be the life celebrating Christ, Nine days of presents, man. That's that. That's got to be the life. Oh, uh, Zeke just said, so I have to go to church and synagogue, which, uh, you know what, I'll sacrifice that for, for nine days of presence.
1: Yeah, seriously, how, uh, you're so lazy, Zeke. It's like, it, it's a few hours of your life to get God. A few hours, that's all you're asking for. That's all God's asking for.
2: Kev, didn't you see, didn't you see my wife and daughter at church last year on Easter, and I was playing racquetball? didn't that, that happen last year? Didn't you see...
1: I did. I walked in the church. I'm hanging out. I see across the way, and I see Rach sitting down. And I just assumed you were there because I was standing up. Now, there's there's a lot of background on the story, which I'll get into in a second. But I looked over and I just assumed that I saw Rachel. I saw your daughter Riley, and I was like, oh, okay. I guess I guess Rachel, Riley, and Mike are all at church today. So I just I just I I was gonna go over after 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 communion or after the end of church and say, hey uh but i was so embarrassed the reason i was embarrassed is because easter was a really hot not this year the year before it was ungodly hot and i was sweating profusely and you you know when you're sweating and not only are you sweating but it's like i'm getting hotter and hotter but then that embarrassment starts to creep in because you're i'm standing up because it was packed i'm getting more and more embarrassed because i'm I can start feeling the drips, kind of. I'm wearing a loose shirt, and I can feel the drips start from my chest and fall to my stomach. And I'm just like, "This is not good. This is this is not good." I look down, and I'm like, "I I, I don't. I'm not wet yet, but I'm gonna be there." And I I I, I made one false move, and the, my entire shirt stuck to my front. It was soaked for the rest of the time. And then all I could do, I just kept on going, I'm so embarrassed. This is so embarrassing. Everyone's looking at me, and I just continued to sweat. It was – by the end, I I, I was – so I might as well have jumped in a pool.
2: Thank God I wasn't there because I sweat like no – I mean, <clears throat> I'll be sitting in my house on a on a summer day and someone will knock on the door, and I'll come to the door sweating, and they go, what, were you just jumping rope in the attic? No, I just peeled an orange. You know, like I mean, I, I sweat like like nobody's business. So thank God I wasn't there. Um, and I caught flack for that too as well, Kevin. You know, obviously Rach gets home. She, the first thing she says, "Well, Kevin was at church. I saw Kevin at church. He was he was there with his wife. He didn't go play racquetball. Kevin was there."
1: It's true. I I, I did sacrifice my Saturday Sunday morning to go to church. I did it again this year. Uh, however, we chose to go to church at the m- most that the busiest mass we got there about five minutes late the one church was already it was it was it was a sellout the one church was already sold out we ended up going to the auxiliary church where they had another mass going on That's that was nearly sold out we had to go to the back for that one so it just shows how much how popular god's getting so you know uh, back to from god to uh ncaa final four uh, I'm sure you know there's going to be a lot of God-thanking going on as we uh, the winner is announced tomorrow night. Louisville, Michigan. Mike, who do you got?
2: I picked Louisville from the beginning, and i got to stick with him. Um, Russ Smith, I thought, had a very, very bad game last night. I mean, I know the points were there at the end of the night, but he took some really, really, really tough contested threes, which I think he didn't need. And I think Patino did the right thing by pulling him out of the game. He was getting a little bit out of the offense, a little little bit away from himself. Actually, I don't know the little white kid who came in off the bench who was hitting threes. Not Hancock, the other kid. He uh, he had two straight threes, which was huge. I mean, you know, Louisville was down most of the game, and they came back with a little bit of an untraditional lineup. They had uh, three three or four reserves in the game when they when they made their little run there. Um, Russ Smith to me just didn't play a great game. He looked like he was over anxious. He looked like he. You know, Louisville has guys who can score. I mean, Gorg, uh, you know, Georgie, Gorgie or Georgie, every pound's name dang, He didn't score a point. You know, and, and they still win the game. So I, I think Russ Smith needs to get a little, get everybody else involved a little bit more. And uh, and not, you know, not so much worry about his points. His points will come. He can score, but I think he has to get other guys involved first. And then I think everybody kind of, you know, everybody kind of settles in, and then Russ Smith can kind of take the game over.
1: Yeah. You're right. It, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be interesting to see uh, what happens. What happens tomorrow? I think Trey Burke, uh, you know Siva. It's it, it, you have two of the premier guards in college basketball going against each other. You have uh, a lot of talent out there. Uh, it, it, it's going to come inside. I mean, you got you got some premier big guys. Uh, it's I think I'm if if you gun to my head i'm going i'm going louisville however i'm not picking them i'm going to pick michigan uh gun to my head i think louisville's the better team i think they are they have the better shot to win however i'm going to pick michigan one game decides it all i think one game can can go michigan's way
2: that's kind of like saying i have the i have the number these numbers to tonight's powerball uh, but i'm not going to pick them i mean what the heck did that mean gun to your head you think louisville is going to win but you think michigan is going to win um i, I I think it's going to be a good game. Um, like I said, I'd pick Michigan to win, but I'm kind of leaning. I picked them into my pool, so I want them to win. But if something's telling me, I'm kind of leaning toward. I, I just didn't like that what I saw out of Louisville too much last night. Now, Rick Pitino can kind of correct that in practice. But the kid Mitch McGarry is playing out of his mind right now for, for Michigan. I mean, he's just a difference maker. He can rebound. He can hit a little jump shot. He's very energetic, you know, very good rebounder. Glenn, Glenn Robinson, the third, I think is, is the key to them though. If he can kind of have 12, 14 points, I think they have a nice chance to win. Uh, Stauskas, Stauskas yesterday didn't, I don't believe he scored and they still won. Uh, you know, so I guess John Beline has to be feeling pretty good about the chances tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I definitely think so. I think, uh, there's, there's definitely that confidence, confidence going in. Now, When we go to, you know, Mitch McGarry, we're talking about him. It's funny how one thing can change a player's or your perspective so much. I think he's a great player. I thought he did an unbelievable job this tournament. He's been outstanding, especially because he considered he came off the bench originally. Then he's you know he turns into a starter, and not only a starter but the star of the team, which is which is unbelievable. He took uh, what's the, the the big guy who took the charges. He he originally was the man. He was the original big man. He lost his uh, he lost his spot.
2: Is that uh Horton, uh, Horton or Horford? Is that you're talking about Horford. It's uh out. Is it Al Horford? Al Horford's brother.
1: Yes, yes. But you know, talking about you know Mitch McGarry, he has a great game. He has a great tournament. However, two shots. You're on the line. You got to make them. It's a close game. What was it? A one point game or one point game at that point? Misses one. Okay, gets, gets it again. Misses the second. Called lane violation. Misses the third that that was tough that was tough to see because it's it way i mean i was looking at it as a as an analyst and saying wow that hurts that that i think that hurts him i mean yes because foul shots mean something i think if you could hit a big foul shot it, it says something about you i might it might be the pot calling the kettle black but uh i think that's it's important that you you step up and hit hit free throws I think that was it was frustrating to watch especially with a chance to win the game how he how he kind of stumbled.
2: Yeah, I I think foul shots and plays at the end of the game get magnified a little bit too much. Um they get magnified a little bit too much. I mean, you have to look at Mitch McGarry what he does through the course of the game. I one I think at 25-15, I mean, you know, obviously without those points they're not in the game at the end of the game. So coaches get a little too much uh a little too much blame for losses at the end of the game. A little too much credit for a win. I think players, you know, you could have you could have 25 points in the first half. You turn the ball over three times and miss two foul shots coming down the stretch. That's all anyone's talking about.
1: So, we have on the line, maybe 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 this guy can give us some insight on uh, on what he thinks uh, for the for foul shots. We got on the line right now the one and only Tom from Palmyra. Tom, how are you?
0: Well, Craig, I got to tell you, I never missed a foul shot at the end of the game in my whole life. They used to call me Mr. Clutch when I was growing up.
1: Really? That's 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 uh terrific. Terrific, Tom. I'm uh, it, I, I wouldn't expect anything else.
0: Some guys have ice in their veins. I have hydrogen in my my veins. Nothing infects me when I at the foul line.
2: <laughs> and by hydrogen you mean about seven Peronis right now. Um How you doing, Tom?
0: Yeah, there is a lot of hydrogen content in Peronis and I had quite a few of them today.
2: Now Tom, we are we are in a, in a in a pool players pool right now. You are two. Yeah, we're,
0: we're neck and neck.
2: You are two points ahead of me for third place. Kev, he's two points ahead of me for third place. He has Glenn Robinson the third for the last game, and Big I have name. and Big I have name. I have Georgie Dang and Montrezl Harrell left. So, uh, it's going to come down to tomorrow night's game. It's a battle for third place. Me and Tom for Palmyra. Who do you like, Kev?
1: Oof. I gotta give it. I... <sighs> i got to give it to you. I don't think Glenn Robinson the Third has been as stellar as as you would hope, and I think you got two studs that, that are going for you right now.
2: Yeah, especially George
1: Mike, Deng. Mike, especially would, you George...
0: Kevin, would you remind Kevin how many points D'Ang had <laughs> last game? I
2: was going to say, George Deng came up with a big fat donut for me last night. <laughs> I, mean,
0: I had I had more points to D'Ang last night. And I was sitting at the end of the bar drinking peonies poking at 21-year-old girls.
2: <laughs> That always makes me, that always kind of makes me feel good. Like 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 I can go home bed, bed at bed and I go. You know what? I had the same amount of Super Bowls as Dan Marino, or I had the same amount of points as Georgie Deng last night. That kind of makes me feel good. So Tom, what uh, who do you who do you like in tomorrow night's game?
3: Well, I
0: mean, I, I really think that Wichita State could pull this out. Um, I think their interior plays a little more superior than everybody else they're playing.
1: Tom, oh, they don't play the
0: consolation game anymore, do they? It's Louis they,
1: just, they do. They do not. No more consolation game. Do you remember
0: you, that when they used to do the consolation? How embarrassing was it to play the consolation game? Like <laughs> well, you know about embarrassing. Come on, how embarrassing was that?
2: The, the Sixers are actually in the consolation game. I think tonight. I think.
0: I think the Sixers last <laughs> ten games. Yeah, they're eight point game. underdogs.
2: Wait, that, that, how they do against the Heat last night? I don't even know. They went up. Uh, uh, up?
0: No, I, I no. You have to score more points than uh, one player on one team, right, to win, right?
1: I think that's how it works, and uh, we failed to do so. The Sixers did fail to do that.
0: Well, this—I mean—this is a big weekend for you guys. I mean, uh, who you guys got tomorrow night?
1: Tom, I'm going Michigan. Mike's going Louisville.
0: Really? You're going to go on Wednesday, Michigan, huh?
1: Tom, Tom,
2: I'm sure you've been listening to the program, but just in case you. Uh... We're I tell you work. what, the
0: sound is impeccable tonight. I mean, you guys must upgrade to progressive Soup cans this weekend because it's mm-hmm. really, really good sound this
2: weekend. So, he, so we're picking the winners, Tom. And here's what I ask, Here's what I asked Craig. I said, Craig, I said, uh, who do you like tomorrow? Night? He goes, well, gun to my head, Louisville, but I think Michigan's going to win. I go, well, uh, what? What, is, what does that mean? I don't know what that means.
1: I'm saying, I'm saying, if you if you pointed a, a weapon at me and said, who has the best chance of winning? I'm saying Louisville. However, one game. I, I I'm rooting for them, and and I I think uh, I think Michigan can beat them, and I'm 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 hoping Michigan beats them, and I'm gonna pick Michigan because of that, because I don't want to root for someone that I don't really want to win. Well,
2: what what kind of weapon are you talking, Kevin? Like a BB gun? And what?
1: Uh, a flare gun?
2: Tom, do you have anything on your on you that would be a Michigan shooter as a weapon?
0: Well, I mean, my my hair gets uh, misconstrued as a metallic object sometimes. I go through airport trainings. But other than that, no, not really.
2: I mean, I mean, (laughs) Kev's pointing to his teeth right now.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, I,
0: I, Kev, how can you do that to (laughs) me, man?
1: I was was actually just picking something out. I had a little little something from dinner.
2: Tom uh, Tom uses a jump rope for uh, a toothpick, I, I think. Um, all right, so Tom, just so we're clicking on Tom. do you know uh, WrestleMania is on tonight?
0: Oh, it's the big one tonight, isn't it?
1: Yes. I think WrestleMania all- is
0: like the Super Bowl of the fake artistry of wrestling, right?
1: That is that is correct. So, yeah. so Tom, who do you have, John Cena or The Rock? I mean, The Rock.
0: I I I for gone to my head I would have to go with The Rock but you know I'm really hoping for John Cena.
2: <laughs> all right, all right, Tom. Well, listen.
0: Mike, Mike, we like, care to share about how many WrestleMania or wrestling figures you have in your closet stash at home?
2: I can't hear me. Is he still there, Tom? Are you there? <laughs> I can't.
1: Are we, are we, I think we might be having might be might be having uh, some technical difficulties.
0: You know, I I made the production studio and needs a little tweaking there. You know?
1: <laughs> so, Tom, quick question. You know, we're t- we're talking about our bracket challenge, the loser has to sing. Any uh any any requests you have for uh for next week who's going to who's going to be singing? It's going to be Mike or I, whatever whatever one uh, ends up losing. Who do what any requests out there?
2: The thing that we so, did, Tom. The thing that we did, Tom, was we both had a um, we had a bracket wager, okay. Okay. And the, and the loser, our intern Zeke, who's sitting over there in the, um, on the on the floor, our intern Zeke uh, came Zeke, up with the that idea. Ball, that
0: ball of energy that I saw at the Main Street Pub. I uh, ahead.
2: Um, uh, Mark Chimeliski Chimilis, just walked in the studio. Mark, we're speaking with Tom from Palmyra. I think you know him as uh, as Theodore.
0: Yeah. Oh, Mark made an appearance,
2: huh? Yes, Mark made an appearance.
0: Yeah, I do Mark? know him as Theodore. Um, he's a hell of a guy. Uh, he's got some big. He's got some big teeth though. Well,
2: you ain't. <laughs> you ain't kidding, man. Those things. Tom, you still there?
0: Oh, I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm just waiting for the you know, the, the punchline there. No, uh, the, the punch is you know.
2: I I know you're you're a new business owner, and I wish you all the best of luck on that. Um hey, thanks, I've Mark. Re- I've read great things about you on Facebook and all the social media sites. Um, and I do know that your, your intelligence along with your ingenuity has saved you a tremendous amount of money. Like you don't need to buy any meat slicers cause you can just use your teeth. You know? <laughs> <laughs> could you, could you, you could cut, could you imagine that? Yeah. I need a hoagie for two. Hold on. All right. Here's it. Right. Coming right up.
0: <laughs> you have to use the God given talents where necessary.
2: Absolutely. You, you well, can it's store, funny it's
0: funny. I'm sorry, Mark. Uh, no, go ahead. Uh, well, it's Tom. Funny you said it about social media. You know, uh, a lot of people have been Facebooking about my new business, and on the Twitter, I mean, yesterday somebody twatted about um, one of my uh, one of my new ventures, and, you know, it wasn't the most becoming thing, but you know, people could you got you can new twat d- wherever the, they want to twat, they can twat. You know, you
2: got new dentures. You said? Oh uh, yes, yes. You said dentures?
0: Yes. New venture. My new venture. Uh, new
2: venture.
0: Oh, new yeah, venture. I yeah. thought you said
2: you got new dentures. I was going to say, man, when did you order those things? About two years ago, and they just they just came in last night. No well, question.
0: Well, no question. It's, no very, question. It's,
2: it's 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 very common for you for us to misunderstand what you're, what you're talking about when you
0: speak, Theodore. If you could just please open up your mouth a little bit more, because of you know the
2: teeth get in the way.
0: I. I Tom, I don't, Mark, know what, Mark, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. I only know what you're saying. And what you said really didn't make any
2: sense. <laughs> All right, Tom. Well, listen, thanks for calling in. Great insight as always. You hey, listen,
0: yeah. If you guys ever need anything, call somebody else, okay? <laughs> and have
2: a good night, guys. That's
0: <laughs> it. Teddy. Teddy, Teddy. Teddy, we love you, Teddy. All
2: right, he's off. All right, we thank Mark, uh, Mark for stopping by for a second to uh, break... T-
0: thank me for stopping by you're in my
2: studio we thank mark for uh, stopping we are we are in mark's studio um we are in our private room here in the okie productions uh plaza plaza it's a plaza let's call it what it really is a plaza and uh mark stopped in to see how we we're doing so we figured we'd give him a couple minutes of air time there so uh that was tom from palmyra checking in with some uh
1: bad points as usual so talking uh talking feminine males we're we're gonna we're gonna move on now uh we're gonna start getting into britney griner now britney griner the whole thing the whole flack that came up this past week mark cuban comes out says if britney griner is available when i draft in the second round or if she's the best player on the board i'm taking her. now i think he's completely out of his mind And I think he's just doing it as a publicity stunt. Now, we're going to be joined in about 10 minutes by, or less than 10 minutes, by uh, Diana Karamanico. Diana Karamanico, Big Five Hall of Famer, all-time leading scorer. She's going to uh, come on and and discuss some of this with Brittany Griner and how her game would translate into an NBA game coming from a female perspective.
2: Kev, this whole Mark Cuban, Brittany Griner thing, this made me so mad. You know, like Mark Cuban, just the propaganda. He he just he does it for the self publicity. I mean, Brittany Griner couldn't play; she couldn't play in the NBA if she was four more inches taller. I mean, she's too. Could you imagine her going up against? I mean, going up against uh, Dwight Howard or just any? I mean, these guys are so much bigger, stronger, physical. It's just a ridiculous statement that she could play in the NBA. There's a reason there's a WNBA and an NBA. The women play in the WNBA. The men play in the NBA. Okay, the whole thing. We saw how Michelle Wie. Oh, let's get her on the. She's good enough to play in the PGA Tour. Or PGA Tour. Stop it. Stop it. They, women cannot play men's professional sports. The only time. The only time I think that a woman had a one tenth of a percentage of a chance to play in the NBA would be a guard of some sort.
1: I, I completely agree. If I'm if I'm giving the best possible chance of someone playing the, in the NBA, I would give it to. Uh, a guard that's that's unbelievably fast, that can shoot, and is lights out shooter. They, they, that female has the best chance of making the NBA.
2: I mean, Kev, you played overseas, you play pro ball overseas. You, you never played in the NBA, but you would absolutely destroy Brittany Griner. Maybe, um, no. I mean, you would absolutely destroy her. I mean, you know, you're you're taller, you're more physical, you're much stronger than her. I mean, I mean it's just a complete joke. I hate Mark Cuban.
1: <laughs> I I mean I agree. Now it's funny because I can have uh, my my. One of my close friends, Zahir McGee, uh, played with him in high school. He's now a writer of every – everyone tuned in to Scandal. It's a TV show. It's very good. He's a a writer for them now. He wrote for private practice. Uh, He could – him and I, we used to talk about this when we were in high school. We talked about if our high school team could beat UConn. Now, UConn was the national championship. Could Camden Catholic High School, who – lost three games the entire year, was a, was a you know, high-powered, number, ranked number two in South Jersey. Could we beat UConn women?
2: The very simple answer is yes,
1: and here's why. When UConn won the national
2: title one year, I looked at their roster, and you know how tall their tallest player was? 6'3". Six, 6'3". Three. Six, three. I don't think people understand. I, I think some people don't. That men are just, and, there's, and it's not a knock on women. Men move faster, jump higher. They're quicker. They have faster muscle twitches. They're just physically stronger. They weigh more. They're more physical than women. And, and I just think that you being 6'10 in high school going up against a 6'3 girl, you would get every single rebound. I mean, it wouldn't even be close. I mean, even, even the 6'3 guys would out-rebound the women. I, I, just think I, I just think that, that men. Now, uh, those women are very skilled, but I just think at the end of the day, athletic ability and strength will win out.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And it's the same thing we're saying. I brought this up to my brother earlier. Uh, we were t- talking about, you know, it's 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 almost comparing. You're looking back and you're comparing what George Mikan was when he played to comparing him to this game. It's like, could George Mikan be in Hall of Famer if he played in the NBA right now? And the answer is no, because he's 6'10". As a in the 50s or 40s and dominating because no one else is his size, and he's dominating. Same with Wilt Chamberlain. Now, Wilt, I think, had a little more skill, but Wilt was just able to beat everyone because he's taller, stronger, faster, more athletic than anyone else in the court. Now, you put him in this game, he's uh, who knows what he is. He's he could be a you know a a solid center, he could be like a Paul Gasol.
2: Yeah, I hate comparing errors, Kev, because. I mean, George Mikan was one of the best in his era, so obviously he's one of the best players in his era. So he's a Hall of Famer. He's considered one of the best players of all time. Um, you know, could Y.A. Tittle play today in the NFL? No. Was he one of the best of all time in his era? Yeah. So I, I just think that it's hard to you know it's hard for me to believe it's hard for me to believe that a guy like Bob Cousy would dominate basketball now. I mean, you watch that one clip of, of him dribbling the ball out at the end of a championship, you know, in the 50s or 60s, whatever, I guess 50, late 50s. He's dribbling the ball with his right hand the whole time in a circle. I mean, the guy couldn't dribble the ball with his left hand. You know, today, I mean, you, you have power forwards, you know, dribbling the ball to the floor behind the back, you know, and doing whatever they want. So it's hard to compare errors, but I, I think you have to keep in perspective that in that era, you know, Mike was great. Today, would he be? Probably not, but you, you just never know.
1: Yeah, it's 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 going to be it's it's interesting. I don't think uh, you know Mark. I think Mark Cuban is being a little a little insane. I think he's a little bit of a uh, a glory and uh, glory hog, and he's trying to get more attention on him because the Mavericks stink this year. Joining us on the line to talk, you know, a little Brittany Griner is. Uh, Diana Caramanico. Now, Diana, a uh, little bio, 2,415 points, all-time leader in Penn and Big Five history, three-time Big Five Player of the Year, three-time Ivy League Player of the Year, captain of the first Ivy Championship in, in Penn women's history, a, a legend in, in Philadelphia women's basketball. Uh, talking a little Brittany Griner. Die, how are you tonight?
5: Good. How are you guys?
1: We're doing well. We're doing well. So, die. Our discussion, Brittany Griner, very talented female player, 6'8", dunking the ball. Where do you see her? Mark Cuban says she can make the NBA. Your thoughts?
5: Well, um, you know, she's obviously just dominant. I mean, there's no other female that's got that her combination of size and agility and sort of package deal that you get when you get Brittany Greiner. Uh you know, I think that it's going to be very tough for her physically because, you know, obviously I mean, I play against guys all the time, both when I you know, in college and when I was in college I worked out against pro and college guys and I mean I'm a little undersized but I just got tossed. And, and not that I'm the strongest, biggest person, you know, I'm the first to admit that I'm an undersized player forward, but um There's just a different caliber of strength. There's just to play against. So I think that you know I, I hope she does get a shot to play against them. Um, you know, and I don't think that she's going to be able to impose. She's she's got a game where she imposes herself physically on her opponent, and I don't think she's going to be able to do that. Obviously, in the NBA, and you know, I think it's just going to. A, sort of expose her skill level for good or better or worse. Um, I think you're going to get a chance to see the the skills that she actually possesses, um, you know, either on the perimeter or inside or her footwork or whatever that's going to, you know, determine how she does.
2: Now, now, Di, when you say you used to practice against the, the – co- you know, when you were in college, obviously, an, an outstanding player in college, and you used to practice against guys and things like that, did you find it did you find that going back to playing against the women was much easier after practicing against the guys, or did you guys feel like you could hold your own with the with the men when you were practicing against them?
5: You know, I, I think it depended on the level of the guy that I was playing against. I, I feel like I, I, I feel like I definitely held my own, um, but I held my own in a different way against guys than I would have held my own in a different way, say in the like W pre draft camp for the WNBA. Um, you know, I had to call on skills that I didn't need to call on when I played with the with the women that were, you know, my level or better. Um, so, you know, I, I think holding your own means different things to different people. Um, so it just kind of depends on what your de- definition of that is.
1: So we're talking with uh, Diana Caramanico, uh, Big Five, all-time scoring leader, uh, talking a, a little bit about Brittany Griner and her thoughts on whether or not she should be an NBA player now. Brittany Griner has recently come out saying, "I want to play one year in the WNBA before I go on and play in the NBA." She's going to play this year out, obviously it's the summer year. He's, she's going to play it out in the WNBA and see and see what happens. Now, it seems like she's trying to go against better competition. However, Di, you like you said, you play, you're playing against guys, but you have a, a, a specific skill set that that allows you to to almost get the better of some of the guys because you know of your position and and and, and instead of you know being a center you you were more of a of a fo- small forward you could play a little guard because you're a little more agile
5: yeah so i mean i think where it, it helped me as far as when i was playing against the men I was playing against women as a – I was like a small forward playing center just because of lack of size or whatever you call it, that you know, on our team. So I was the one that mostly played center, um, you know. And I was undersized playing against women. So when I was playing against men, I was still using those same skills that made me successful against the women. I was still, you know, using my center of gravity uh, to be as low as possible against somebody that was taller so I could move on that. I was still – you know, really working hard before I got the ball, so that when I got the ball, there was nothing that anybody could do anyway. Because I, I was, just, and I'm used to shooting, you know, over or under somebody bigger. So the skill set that I was using against the women um, were were the same skill set that was that I was using against the men, and so they they matched up for me. And therefore, playing against the men made me much better when I went back against the women, because they're bigger, faster, stronger. Well, um, I, you know, with Brittany, go ahead. No, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. But with Brittany Griner, I think that she, her skill set is opposite. The skill set that she's going to use um, to dominate the women's game might not be her forte in the men's game. So it just depends on – like that's where I think her – you know, you'll get a good look at her skill level, um, you know, either facing the basket or, or in the post because you'll be able to see what skills she actually possesses when she can't dominate physically.
2: Right. I, I think she's going to be more – inclined to kind of face the basket in the post. I think she's going to have a rough time with her back in the basket against some bigger, bigger, stronger guys. Di, you know, you're the all-time leading scorer in the Big Five. I mean, you know, the Big Five's been around for years and years and years. I mean, how does that feel? I mean, Kevin, I wouldn't know, but how does that feel going to bed at night knowing you're the you're the Big Five all-time leading scorer?
5: You know, I I don't really feel like that. I mean, I, I, I see it on paper. I know that it happened. Um, but, you know, records are made to be broken, and, you know, I wouldn't be the all-time leading scorer in the Big Five if I hadn't broken somebody else's record. So, I, you know, I, I know that that record's going down at some point, and, um, you know, I'm just proud of what I accomplished, whether it was, uh, you know, all-time leading scorer at the time or not. Um, you know, I I don't remember a lot of it, to be honest, because I think, you know, I trained myself to quickly forget actions during the game, whether they were good or bad, because I was just trying to focus on, you know, the, the moment at hand. And so to be t- truthful, I don't remember a lot of my career because I trained myself to forget it.
2: Well, and I think that I, that I, was I, what helped
5: me to be successful. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't I've, like
2: def- I've definitely trained myself to forget my basketball career too. So that that we do have in common.
1: <laughs> An entirely other reason. <laughs> uh, well, listen,
2: we, Di, we thank you, thank you so much for coming on and spending a couple minutes with us and t- getting your, uh, your your take on Brittany Griner. Um, you know, continued success and everything else that you do, and hopefully we'll have you on soon. We're going to have, a, I think, a Women in Sports Day coming up uh, within the next month or so. So hopefully we can get you back on and, and, and spend a little more time with you, going through your career and things like that.
5: Great, that's Tom Thanks for having me.
2: Thanks
1: a lot, Di.
5: Okay, <laughs> bye guys.
1: Great, uh, great to hear. Uh, someone else who has some experience talk about more about this Brittany Griner situation. Diana obviously has a lot of that experience and and can put that into play. Now I like what she was saying. Like you were saying, like maybe a guard because you play as a guy. If you're or as a girl playing against guards, you're you're able to compete a little more. If you're Brittany Griner and you're six eight and all you know is how to play a center, what 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 are you going to do when you play against seven one? Three hundred pounds. You're just you're going to get pushed. You're not going to be able to do anything that you want to do. Great, you can dunk. That's terrific. Uh, there's a five-two guy in the NBA who can dunk.
2: Right, like you said, Nate Robinson's dunking the ball, and when she's dunking the ball, Kev. I mean, they're just a couple of them are just barely getting over the rim. So she, you know, by no means is she a high flyer. I just don't think we'll ever see a time where a woman. Could play. Now, didn't they have a thing back in the day, the Battle of the Sexes, Billy Jean King against, uh, who was it?
1: Connors. Jimmy Connors.
2: Jimmy Connors. I mean, now tennis, maybe tennis a woman could beat. I mean, I, I doubt it because a man could probably just overpower them. Um, I, I can't even say like swimming. Like I could never see a woman beating Michael Phelps. He's just so strong. I think men are just so much stronger in, in, all, in all the things they do. Women could never throw baseball harder than, us. and that's not to say that. Again, we're not downplaying women; we're just putting it into perspective that that we both of us, I think, are in agreement that no woman could ever play a professional men's sport.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's kind of a it's 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 a ludicrous thought, and we're not doing that to be sexist. We're not saying that. It's just a different. It's you're comparing apples and oranges. There's a reason that there that we're two different species of human beings because there the, the way evolution where I mean it's just there's there's a reason that men are men and females are females and that's just how it is as as equal as we would like to be and as I think we have a lot of equality I think you know I'm, I'm, I love watching you know women's sports I'm sitting there the other day watching the women's college uh college game and I love watching uh, women's soccer. I mean, you you get into that, too. So women's sports has a good place in this culture. I think it's something that's important. However, when we start getting into – and it's irresponsible, really, is what it is by Mark Cuban because it's unfair to women to make that comparison. So I think that's what the problem is. You start getting into these debates. And it becomes unfair to women because the, the now Brittany Griner looks like a foolish because she's out there saying, oh, yeah, I can definitely compete against these guys.
2: Yeah, but I think what Brittany Griner should be saying is, you know what, that's very nice of Mark Cuban to say, but, I, I mean, realistically, she can't really think she can play in the NBA. Though she, I mean, may, maybe she can, and if she can, she's out of her mind. Uh, but, you know, like I said, Mark Cuban will just do anything to kind of hear himself talk. Uh I, can you, can, uh, Skylar Diggins is one of the best players point cards in the in, in, in WNBA, or WN, in college. And she's small, maybe like 5'5. Five, five. I think she's tiny, somewhere around there, 5'4, five, 5'5. Five, five. Could you imagine her going up against a Derrick Rose or a Kyrie Irving or something like that? I mean, it's just, they could never stay in front of the guys. They would they would just shoot jump shots over them all day. And not to say Skylar Diggins never said she could play in the NBA, but I just think Mark Cuban put a lot of pressure on on Brittany Griner and, uh, Mark Cuban really Mark Cuban needs to kind of just shut his mouth every once in a while.
1: Actually, Skylar Diggins is five nine, but she, she 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 looks smaller than she really is.
2: She's five nine. Wow, she uh she looks tiny. Well, regardless, she still would get crushed by Derek you know Derek Rose or Kyrie Irving, Theron Williams, somebody like that. I mean, uh, you know, she's five nine. Kevin, you sure?
1: She is five feet nine inches. You know what? That's that's funny because every every male that I know is in love with Skylar Diggins, especially watching it now. They love Skylar Diggins. They're big Skylar Diggins fans. And when you go through and you realize that she's five nine and you're five seven, you are out of luck, my friend.
2: Skylar Diggins is a pretty girl. Um I'm trying to think of well, I'm trying to think of pretty girls in sports. Um, I mean, I, when I was growing up, Jennifer Capriati was playing, playing tennis and she was always like the, the, the hot girl. Oh, uh, who's the Atlanta Cornacoba? I think tennis, tennis, uh, tennis has a lot of, a lot of the pretty women. Um, WNBA, uh, uh, who, who's married to Sheldon Williams? Do you know who's married to Sheldon? What WNBA player?
1: Candace Parker.
2: Yes. Candace Parker. She's a pretty girl. Candace Parker's a pretty girl. Um, Rebecca Lobo kind of looks like uh, you with long hair, Kev. I mean, um, she's uh, she's not what you would call um, a desirable looking person. Not to say that you're not, but you're obviously a male, I think, and she's a
1: female. Yeah, it's that's how it goes sometimes. I think, uh, you know, Jennifer Capriati. By the way, that's it's 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 funny because you we really show our age because I know who Jennifer Capriati is. Our young viewers. Or listeners are are just like I have no idea who Jennifer Capriotti is, and they're probably googling her right now.
2: Well, I think you always go. But we talked about this before. I think you always go back to when you were younger. You always think sports are better when you're younger. Like to me, nobody will ever be better than Michael Jordan because he was in my wheelhouse growing up. He was in my you know my heyday. Um, to me, like a guy like Ken Griffey Jr., I, I find it hard for you know he's right in my right in my wheelhouse era. I, I have it hard to believe that someone's gonna that Bryce Harper could ever be better than Ken Griffey Jr. in my eyes. Um, I, I find it hard to believe that I'm ever going to say Kobe's better than Magic Johnson. I mean, I grew up watching Magic.
1: It's so funny you mentioned Ken Griffey Jr. because there's a picture the other day, LeBron met Ken Griffey Jr. And it was like, Ken Griffey Jr. was so long ago and he was one of my favorite players growing up. And it was, but it was so long ago that I just went like, they're not on the same level. And it's because you almost forget how good Ken Griffey Jr. was.
2: Well, baseball the I believe channel, I think does that prime nine sometimes. And I actually wrote them an email about four or five years ago. They did the top nine center fielders of all time. And I forget the order, but in some, I know Ken Griffey was six. I think Ty Cobb was one. Willie Mays was two. Yeah. Joe DiMaggio up there, Mickey Mantle. They had, they had, they had Ty Cobb. They had Ken Griffey six. They had Ken Griffey six and they had Jim Edmonds Nine. So you're telling me that Ken Griffey's closer to 9 than 1? Ken Griffey had 630 home runs and 10 goal gloves. I, I, not for nothing, Kevin. I know Ty Cobb is probably a great player. But I can't see him scaling the walls like Ken Griffey was. Mickey Mantle had bad knees. Joe DiMaggio wasn't a great athlete out there. I mean, the man had – think about it. And, and he, was never, he was never in the steroid you know discussions. 630 home runs and 10 goal gloves. What more can you want from a guy? And he's number six on the list. I wrote I wrote MLB Network a little bit of a nasty email there.
1: <laughs> I bet you did. You're you're very you're you're pretty well known for your for your uh curt emails that you send to uh popular sports celebrities. I think that's uh that's something that you you definitely have going for you. Uh we we got a text recent uh just now. Mark Schlesel, he played at Cherry Hill East High School. He now practices. There's a practice team that plays against the Michigan girls, uh, Michigan women's team, because, you know, they, like they, like Diana was saying, in order to get the best, uh, they, definitely, they definitely want they, to play against good guy basketball players. Obviously, they can't play against the Michigan boys, so they play against, you know, the guys who are pretty much walk, going to walk on to Michigan, and that's the group that they take, and they'll play against them. Well, Mark just sent a text saying, I think good high school teams are better than the best college ones. College women's teams have better footwork and fundamentals, but they can't compare with the speed and athleticism shooting. They're kind of limited in the ways they can score. Men can score a lot, men can score a lot of ways around the basket in terms of fundamentals, uh, things like that. He said, you know, you go in, you have a guy like Chris Santa, who we talked about before played at cherry, who like, what with his motor, like what female could he just run the floor? It's like Chris Santo would probably dominate a female uh, a female game against a good college team.
2: Well, Mark brings up an excellent point about they're limited in the ways they can score. I mean, a man around the basket can do a reverse dunk, um, you know, athletic maneuvers in the air, hang, you know, reverse layups, things like that. Women, um, you know, maybe drop step layups, maybe a little spin move around the basket, but they are limited. Um, but the defenders are also limited to and the things they can do, so it all, it all evens out in the end. Um, but that, that's a nice text, by that's a, that's a, now Mark. Mark is at Michigan, right? He's at, he's at Michigan. Man, that, that's not a bad gig. What's going on in Michigan's campus right now? I guess Mark, uh, no, Mark, though he's he's home studying for an exam he's going to take next year. <laughs>
1: yeah, I would, I would, I would think so. Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely think so. Sorry, I just got a disturbing text. Yeah. Actually, I got a We got a tweet here. I don't know if it's true, but it's from a uh, a guy named Thomas Dick. Uh, Thomas is uh, hilarious. Best sports information director in the uh, in the world. I think he's now he's he was at Texas uh, A&M. I believe he's or he was at Texas. I think he's at Texas A&M now. He just sent me sent us a tweet saying Capriati just got arrested for stalking her ex-boyfriend. Is that true?
2: Yes, it is true. I, I I knew she was just recently arrested for something. I don't know. I didn't know what she was arrested for, um, but I knew she was arrested. My buddy's actually a big tennis guy. He gives tennis lessons, and he sent me the article that she was arrested for something. Um, you would think it'd be the other way around that her boyfriend was stalking her.
1: Well, <laughs> you would think that.
2: <laughs>
1: uh, so again, uh, we're talking talk Mike Rice tonight we're talked uh, so, you know the the Pac 12 the officials we talked some Brittany Griner uh the final four stuff like that you know the final four the 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 finals taking place tomorrow night Michigan Louisville in Hotlanta should be a great it should be a great contest stay up and watch it uh it will be a lot of fun fun to see we've been going through this for a long time we'll go over we'll give our winner of the matchup madness Prize package. It's got we got a nice prize package from the matchup zone lined up for uh, the 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 winner. Well, out of hundreds and hundreds of entries that came in, uh, I think we have we had we have can only have one winner. I think one guy pretty much set himself above the rest. He had two in the final four, and although if he doesn't have Louisville winning, the points really the points do matter. I mean, people can jump pretty quickly if they have Louisville winning and he has one of the other four.
2: Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't help if you have. Well, I guess yeah. If you do have a, if you do have the winner, if you if you have two guys in the final four, does that matter more than if you have one, the champion? I, I don't know. I you know I guess you have to break down the points and stuff like that. But if you have two, I mean, obviously nobody had Wichita State in the final four. Um, but I think a lot of people see where you get hurt is a lot of people at Louisville. Where where you can really set yourself apart is if if you pick like say. Say you picked maybe Michigan to win. Who? You know, we're a, a good team, but not everybody's favorite to win. Now, if you have Michigan winning it, you're probably set.
1: Oh, absolutely. It's it's. I I think they, like they said, there you have Michigan winning. You're you're one of the only ones who have Michigan winning. I think it's uh, you pretty much have the thing in the bag. Again, we got two minutes left. We just want to uh, wrap it up tonight. We want to thank uh, Diana Caramanico for coming on discussing the Brittany Griner situation. We'd like to thank Mark Cuban for making such an asinine comment that then makes us discuss it. Uh, we also want to thank our uh, producer, the Warden, for coming in. We'd like to thank Ok Ok Studios for uh, production studios for. Allowing us to come in here and uh, do this do this show here, I like like Tom from Palmyra said the sound quality has definitely improved. I think it's uh, it's it's very nice of him to to allow us to do that, and and we're we're both very grateful for for doing for doing so. We'd also like to thank uh, AdvoCare South Jersey Orthopedic Associates for. All your, all that you give uh, to us. Uh, go see Doctor Wetzer for all your orthopedic needs. One of the top docs in South Jersey, Advocate South Jersey Orthopedic Associates. Go see that Doctor Wetzer for all your orthopedic needs. We also want to thank our intern Zeke, the intern, for helping us out again tonight, or for finally helping us out tonight, <laughs> and uh, being able to give us a little uh, while he sat in the corner and. Uh, Played on played on the iPad.
2: By the way, he's already left. He's in his car, heading down Church Road right now.
1: Good, because it took him about twenty minutes to find this place. Good job. You realize you do have GPS. I can't even get into it now. You do have GPS in your phone, Zeke. <laughs> so, thanks to Zeke the intern. Thanks to all the all the people who have helped us get the show off the off the road. Uh, we will see you again next week. We will be talking with uh, Chucky Brown former NBA player talking some NBA draft strategy. He'll be on with us next week. We'll also be talking a little bit more about the final, what happened, who's your winner, who's your loser, and we will see you again next week. Good night, God bless, and uh, enjoy hot landing tomorrow.
0: I got a million ways to get it. Choose uh-huh. uh-huh. one. She was one. She was one. Hey, bring it back, bring it back. Huh. Now double your money and make it stack. I'm um, on to the next one, 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 on to the next one. Hold up.